Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comic books, pop culture, and events. Today we have Mike. Hello. We also have Curtis. Hello. We're featuring Ross. Hola. And the guy who's keeping us all together, CBS. like how Ross is the only one from another country. Curtis kind of sounded like he was from another country. That's a different voice. Hello. That mean you're British? State of confusion. That's what I like. <laughs> also featuring Rob. Hi. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> That's Rob, everybody. Uh, so, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Not for that. So, uh... Let's see, let's go over a little bit of news before we get to books. Um, what we're going to try to do book-wise today, we're going to try to do uh, Magnus Robot Fighter number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if I remember right, uh, St- oh yeah, Starlight number one, and oh, yeah. Superman Wonder Woman number six, Forever Evil six, and then Moon Knight number one for for book-wise. Hmm. Uh, let's go and start with a little bit of news there. Uh, Ross, what do you got on Twitter? Uh, I'm just learning about... A couple of new DC shows coming out on different networks, which is kind of crazy. Right. And, uh, we saw a picture of New Flash. It is full costume. That's cool. kind of cool. And we've heard casting rumors about Bruce Wade and Selena Kyle in Gotham, which is also kind of cool. And For the Gotham TV show, right? Yeah. And they also showed the logo for that, which is not that exciting, but I guess it kind of a city that says Gotham on it. It's Gotham on it? Yeah. Is this reliable information? You're getting reliable information, Ross? Yes. From who? Straight from Jeff Johns. The hell does he know about anything? Uh, apparently he's in charge of it. But... Oh, right, okay. And then, uh... He's in charge of Gotham, or he's in charge of all of the series? He's in charge of, uh, DC's media, mm. in general. So any, any TV show, basically, goes through him first. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's like his job title at DC. That seems you think it'd be really long on a business card. Yep. Everything must go through Jeff Johns. <laughs> they call him the Wall. All right. So, so would he know something about this in the uh, the I Zombie show? Oh yeah, I forgot about that too. Yep. Right. Yep. Is he part of that? Over he, Vertigo he stuff. He is. Yep. Huh. Well, because Vertigo is actually still. Connected to DC, right? But they're like they have their own publisher. Or what are they called? President at Vertigo. So I didn't know. Do if they they were. Were. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they do. But they're still connected to DC in their own way. And then, uh, speaking of Vertigo, they also showed the picture of John Constantine for the new Constantine show too. I did see that. And he looks freaking awesome. He looks like Constantine. Yeah. yeah. So, which is good. I don't. Know. That's all I gotta say about that, I guess. His business attire. <clears throat> business casual. Yeah, that's what he does. Britishy. Yeah, British business casual. It's funny. There's a picture of him, like a whole bunch of, I guess, the production staff, and like he looks like he's out of the comic books, and everybody else is wearing like their moderate dress work clothes, I guess. It's kind of you saw the picture I'm talking about, right? It's freaking yeah. weird. Yeah, right. It's like yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Is that being filmed in Britain? I don't think so. Is it a British actor? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Are I'm you making pretty, that I'm up? pretty sure it is. I think it and is, too. I can't remember. His, what's his name, Ross' name? 
guy name. Why don't you look that up for me? Frankenstein? That, no, that's awesome. awesome. That's what Ross had on his phone. I didn't know. I know that guy's German actually. <laughs> Frank E. Stein. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Good stuff. Of course, so our, our last Constantine wasn't English, and he rightfully did not try to do an English accent. Well, so. but people didn't weren't receptive to that one either. And there's no guarantee uh, that they'll be receptive to this one, honestly. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty surprised that they're on different networks, though, to tell you the truth. Like, hopefully this isn't DC defeating itself with a shell game. What are the two networks? It's actually on three. It's on... CW and NBC and what was the other one? I don't, I don't know. Fox. <laughs> yeah. Does Agents of Shield? What, what does that come out of? ABC. Oh, so it's not. ABC is owned by Disney. Right. I, I was thinking NBC is owned by Universal, which is owned by Universal. So no Time Warner at all. Uh, Time oh, Warner doesn't have a TV show anymore or a TV channel at all anymore. But are they associated? Isn't TNT um, still around? Isn't that Time Warner? Dynamite. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, TNT is. And the CW is partially owned by... Time Warner? And that's why the Flash and Arrow are on See, there. See, that one makes sense. But I think that the CW has a pretty unique, as far as they try to cast type towards a certain type of thing. Right. And Constantine and Gotham both wouldn't fit that. My guess is they probably tried to find networks where they would, they thought the show would do good and fit better. Well, that makes sense from how they were doing movies, too, where they weren't connected. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Anybody, any of you guys watching that Marvel show? Shield? 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 I'm not. Sif was on the last one. I did not see that episode, but I'm current up to the one prior to that one. I don't know. I, I don't mind it. Like, the first few episodes were pretty heavy-handed trying to force the comedy on the two uh, scientist types, the... What seemed to be brother sister combo, but are not brother sister. It got better after like this episode three. I think they kind of dropped some of that, but the, I don't know the whole adding the the edge to make a gun from old the old Buffy the Vampire Slayer into Deathlok. That's pretty cool, and that's pretty much way they seem that seems like they're where they're going with him. So that's pretty interesting, and like the whole Coulson thing is pretty cool too. Like this I, guy seems to have gotten a little better as time's gone on. Yeah, it's definitely I suppose, picked up. I guess that's a Whedon thing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way he builds shows, it kind of you get you get, you yeah. That's true, I guess. You got to get maybe four or five episodes in, and then stuff starts really popping. And then it gets canceled. Yes. Yep. But so far, it, well, he's got this whole other movie thing that happened that made him not. Then they probably won't cancel it. I don't think it'll I mean, get canceled too. What about the Avengers? It'll get canceled. The Avengers. Yep. Damn, Damn it. Well, he's got at least one season in him. Leading into the Avengers. So. Right, yeah. I mean, he gets one season, then they cancel whatever it was. Unless it's Angel, and then... We'll see you, and then everyone will like it after it's canceled anyway, so it'll be... That's a good point. That's part of his strategy. Didn't yeah. he do Dollhouse, too? Yeah. He got two seasons, though. But still. Firefly? Yeah. One Half season, a one. season? Well, yeah. He got a movie, though, later. <laughs> they didn't fix things, sir. That's true. They, no. They did get... Jewel State is awesome. She's yep. great. Anyway, um, is there anything else news-wise? I mean, that's, there's not really a whole lot of new pop, I guess. That three Aquaman books this month. That was that's my news. news. That's, that's, awesome. That's well, what? There's one of annual. Yeah, Batman and Aquaman, and Aquaman and the others, and Aquaman. 
It's almost like the end of time. And they were almost smart about it, and they didn't release all three of them on the same week. That's pretty nice. Now, there is also the uh, Green Hornet Batman. Oh, yeah, Kevin Smith's going to write something else. Yeah. And it'll be done on the internet first, so we might actually see it within the decade that it's first made. (laughs) Maybe. Good luck with that. Who's he got doing the art for that is Buddy. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Who's doing art for it? I have no idea. The only thing I've seen you probably like his art, don't you? Walt Flanagan? He's okay. There, there are worse artists than yeah. that. There are better ones, too. My my <laughs> big thing I'm worried about with it yeah. is that he'll treat it like a joke. I don't think so. You don't think he will? No, I think he likes Batman that much. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, he's a... And he, he actually wrote the script to a Green Hornet movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So. His, his Green Hornet script was actually really good. Um, so I, I don't know if it's the modern Green Hornet that he created or if it's the mm. 50s Green Hornet, though. It's, a, it's, the, it's the 60s. It's, yeah, it's, it's 60, Batman yeah. 66 style. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, that was the, the key thing in that, the 66 one. <clears throat> Which, yeah, I mean, it could be really well done or it could be very campy 66 style. Yeah. I just that's that's the part that's been really cool about Jeff Parker's run on sixty six so far. Mm. Is he treats it like it's a continuation of the show. It doesn't try to be over cheesy and uh, he well, just tries to treat it just like it was the show. It's pretty damn cheesy. No, but it's it's no more than the show was. Well yeah. yeah. But it's still pretty damn cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I liked it too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. No, no, it's definitely good, but he definitely could have just made it a giant joke and yeah. he chose not to. Now somebody had mentioned that they thought they saw Batman 66 in season form on DVD? I think it's coming out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they finally got the license released for it. That's, that's why we've had this explosion of Batman 66. Yeah. So. Well, I'm hoping the DVD comes out here soon, especially if you're going to Denver. Oh, yeah. Denver Comic Con this year is going to have uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, Julie Newmar, Tu Wong Fu. That's something different, but yeah. <laughs> so it should be fantastic. I'll give you, I've been told horror stories about Adam West, but even if he is a little crazy, that's all right. Well, he's family guy thing. Kind of sad. Well, you know, yeah, and I think you that's know, where people get that I from. I think he's playing himself in mm-hmm. that show. He is. So I really think he is crazy. <laughs> even better. Well, he might be. He's, he's, uh, he's been ravaged by time. He's a character of himself. Caricature of himself. He's uh, what, seventy something? Yeah, late seventies. He's fantastic. Well, Bert B- Ward looks like well, Bill Beaver Cleaver, Billy Sh- Billy Sh- Bill Sh- Billy Shat. He's uh, he's holding up a little better. Well, he's eighty eighty two. Yeah, born in thirty. But he's kind of he's still got it together. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, sometimes it doesn't even matter your age. I mean, looks like a giant walking orange. <laughs> Have you seen him walk? He's got to not lock his knees out before he's. Um, I I can't say I have, but it's terrible. But you know, I mean, you, you look at Baldwin. He's he's already losing his damn mind, drunk on the floor, or no, telling his kids off, telling them they're fat pigs and stuff. He's not even in his sixties yet, maybe. I don't think that. I don't think he actually lost his mind. He's probably really angry at her. Maybe just really angry all the time. He's angry at time. In the Hoff, 
You know, and I think everybody. Yeah, that was a stunt, that. man. That was a stunt. They're uh, half drunk on the floor eating a hamburger. Yeah, that was a stunt, though. You think? Yeah. All I remember about him is he was Nick Fury. Yes, he was. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, you know Wait, what? Wait, he's Samuel Jackson? <laughs> well, he played him on TV. Oh, the real Nick Fury. <laughs> oh. Surprisingly enough, he actually did a pretty good job. I enjoyed that when it first came out. Yeah, I remember it fondly. I have not watched it since. Me neither. So. Probably, you know, probably better not. <laughs> maybe, Did you see it? No. Maybe I remember it through the prism of time better. Just like Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. Yeah, I okay, remember maybe that. I remember that very fondly, but uh, yeah. I've not watched it again, so... I still enjoy that one. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you're so never going to come out with a new one. New Punisher? Or a new Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> no. Well, he's, he's, he's well on his way. They well, broke no, he the couldn't mold. Even, he couldn't even come close to Dolph Lundgren. Who is it? Your boy that you were talking about earlier. Thomas Jane? Shia LaBeouf. No, God. Shia LaBeouf is the Punisher? Oh, my God. I don't know if I can see that. No. (laughs) Who could Shia LaBeouf be, though? It would be like a stag film. (laughs) God. Jimmy Olsen. Okay, Mm. I can see that, maybe. He's a little little big for Jimmy, but he could be. It could happen. Han Solo's son? You know, he might be able to be. (laughs) Perfect. He could be Speedball. He's yeah, taking speedball. Maybe they can make him the Black yeah. Panther since you don't want to do it. Well, well okay. It's a, it's a daring role, but... He's, he's wore a bag over his head, so I think he wore a cowl. Good point. Okay, um, so... He's got better acting chops than I do. <laughs> I he is a good, he's a good actor, he is. He is. He might be crazy, but... Even though he's crazy, he's still a good actor. I think, I, I think Rob's trying to get us on course. Maybe. I don't do that. That's somebody else's job. That's hip. right. Well, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about things. Okay, so, uh... <laughs> you want to, uh... You take us wherever you want to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right. <laughs> well, there's something about that Ross was talking about earlier. Yeah, apparently new uh, Ninja Turtles tonight where you get Weird Tooth Ninja Turtles meets 80s Turtles. Half of the cast is voiced by the same guy, by the way, between the two. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't realize that was the case. Yeah, the same guy that voiced, uh, I want to say Raphael in the 80s, voices, I know he voices uh, Donatello in the new one, and he, I think he voices another one, too. Hmm. Huh. Well, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. Was there another book you want to tell everybody about, Ross? Oh, a crazy Cartoon Network book? Oh, what? Yeah, a crazy Cartoon Network event thing. What was it called? Um, Some crisis? I think it was like... Here, let's see. We'll look it up. It's, uh... Ross trying to use his boat and types of stuff and doom. Super Secret Crisis War. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Awesome. <clears throat> Which is going to be featuring many of the Cartoon Network cartoon cartoon characters. And just, I think, a lot of them in general, yeah, because you got Samurai Jack is where it all begins, supposedly, from what I've read so far. And then you have uh, Dexter's Lab and the Powerpuff Girls and uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie and Ben 10. And I want to say later they said they're going to put Kids Next Door, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Johnny Bravo... And cow and chicken, all in it too. So you had me for a minute. 
Hand me probably up to cow and chicken, actually. Maybe they'll eat cow and chicken. Maybe. I, I can't imagine any of these people seeing them and then talking and not being like, oh my god, and just running, screaming. So, probably. Because if there was a cow that was talking to me, I'd have to question life. What if Courage is going to be in it? Uh, it doesn't look like it, but he might be. I'm hoping that uh, Monkey and the Justice Friends are going to be in it. That'd be awesome. Two stupid dogs. I don't think that was a Cartoon Network. Angry that's, Beavers? That one's not Cartoon Network either. Yeah, that's actually Nickelodeon. Ren and Stimpy. No. Yeah, also not Cartoon Network. Courage is pretty cool. Courage, yeah. Courage could make an appearance. He is a part of that whole Cartoon, cartoon yeah. stuff. Along with I Johnny Bravo it. and stuff. I so. can't even remember anymore. Is there any more? No. That's pretty much all of them. Yeah, yeah they said so. Powerpuff. Yeah. Which Powerpuff, I think, is going to be a part of it anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You but I, that. I guess we're going to be, we're going to have the hero characters, but we're also going to have a bunch of team-ups for all the villains for all these stories. Um, I am Weasel and bad, I or Bamboo, they could be a part of that. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm back in. Yeah. If, if that one's being in there. What about Dog Cat? Remember that show? That's, 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 also, that's also Nickelodeon. Damn. But, um, unfortunately, I do remember that show. <laughs> 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 Dog cat. My God, that's wow. I guess the question is, can can the I Am Weasel book come with a sound chip so we can have Worf's voice tell you? I heard baboon. I am Weasel. Was that who that was? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah I could hear it now, man. Uh, he's, he's Worf. <laughs> Ross, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I was last night with that Cindy Lauper Goonies video. Oh yeah, that's right. Blew my freaking mind. Wait, what? Yep. Okay, so last night, last night we're watching YouTube stuff and I come across this Cindy Lauper video, and the song I didn't recognize the song name either. It's Goonies are good enough, I think is what it's called. Yes, and I'm like, what? What the hell is this video? And of course, you know, in most Cindy's videos, she got Captain Lou Albano from the old WWF days playing her dad. So I'm like, I'll watch this video. You know, why not? I like Cindy Lauper. It's a whole like crossover video. There's two of them, two giant videos. They crossover with the Goonies. Uh, Cat Blue Albano's in there. Andrea Giant's in there. Rugged Ronnie Piper's in there. The Bangles before they were the Bangles are in there. The Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik's in there. The one that pissed himself. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> did he? He did on a radio show. Oh well, you know, you can't see it on the radio. <laughs> well, they posted the pictures of it. And... <laughs> and asked him about it on the spot. So, well, he was a professional, okay? He wasn't going to leave his post. He is getting a little older. He's nuts. <laughs> he's a, he's the Iron Sheik? <laughs> yeah, probably. Or Captain Lou Albano. He's dead. Captain Lou's dead. dead. Mm. Either way, though, R.I.P. you take all of these things and throw them into a Cindy Lauper video, including Steven Spielberg. Prior to the beard, man. <clears throat> and it's beardless. And you mix it up. And you get Sydney Lopper's good enough for the Goonies. I know what I'm watching later. Part one and two. Part one and two, Ross. Don't miss part two. Okay. Fantastic. Almost second greatest thing I've seen all month. What was the first? I knew you were going to ask that, and I don't have anything better. Oh. My, mine would be the A-Team. Oh, yeah. A-Team is fantastic. I, I saw that for the first time the other day. Let's see, that's another one of those things that you're like, oh, I don't need to solve that problem, but now, now <laughs> no, you know better. I've always thought about it, because 
who doesn't like Mr. T? Yeah, right? it's hard you know, to not like who Mr. T. Who doesn't like Mr. T? So oh. I finally broke down and robot fighted. Are you trying to say you don't like Mr. T? No, I was trying okay. to say I was playing uh, Earthbound the other day. Uh-huh. And Mr. T is in the game. Oh, as Mr. T. What? Yeah. Does he fight against you? No, he's just a random guy you can walk up and talk to huh. in the game. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't he in some cartoon, too? Yeah, he's like a police own? officer? Yeah, no, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, he's a police he? officer in that. Oh, is that the guy? Yeah. Who, is he the voice for that guy? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Huh. I don't know why that. His own his his own his own reality TV show too for man the Pity the Fool show. Mr. Tino's best. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost that's the same thing. I would totally watch that one. I would, I can, yeah, yeah. I would too. Although we were wondering the other day, why is Mr. T not a part of the Expendables cast? I bet he's hard to work with. You think? I bet he is. Like, from what I understand, the more jewelry he wears, the better paid he was for the event. That's probably the way it goes. So if you see him and he's got like a necklace and maybe an earring on, he isn't making anything. Have you right. seen him lately? He's like shrunk. Yeah. Well, that's... I mean... Weighed him down. He doesn't look healthy. No. Well, he fought cancer twice. So I imagine he's not up for it. The only way you can fight cancer correctly, Ross, <laughs> is with your fist. He punched okay. cancer in the face. You tell cancer... Cancer fool. <laughs> He's right. I ain't get no cancer, Moda. <laughs> well, I did get cancer, but <laughs> cancer ain't gonna take me down. You know what the weird thing about the A team? They all end up with cancer. All the regular, the, the original four members of the A team, all four of them end up with cancer. That's true. George Papard, which I think it actually killed him, yeah. but not the same kind of cancer, which is like yeah, they, they all have different cancers. Yeah, weird. <laughs> Face Dirk Benedict had cancer. We talked with. A couple years ago, when we made him in San Diego, like, I don't know, four years ago, mm-hmm. he was talking about that and some book he was writing about cancer. So, anyway. Speaking of face. Yes. His face in the first two episodes, the same face, like, on that picture? Mm-hmm. He doesn't look a thing like that. I, I think they may have changed face. I think they... the pilot episodes? Yeah. The first... Yeah, the two pilots are different, yeah. yeah. Are they? There's a different guy. Okay, because he looked like a pretty boy in that, and then that picture didn't look a thing like him. Well, he, he still looks... <clears throat> Pretty pretty, but yeah. yeah. I think I think there was a different guy who played face in the first two. Okay. Pilot. I gotta get past those two then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty sure the pilot episode had a different guy. Right. You know what made me watch the A team? Huh. Vandroid. <laughs> I'm serious. I wanted to get into that eighties frame. That's so, so weird. Yeah. That's awesome. Well I'm glad that you read Vandroid though. Uh-huh. Cause, you know, that that's a great thing. And plus if you've not watched it, you can check it out on Hulu anyways, but you also get to see George Burpar. Yeah, um, in in a Godzilla costume. Yeah, coming out of the lake, <laughs> fully is... with a little trap door, so he can smoke a cigar in Godzilla's neck. Yeah, awesome. they they call him the Aquamaniac. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think they originally, instead of just being the planning guy, they were going to have him be like a scuba guy. Mm-hmm. And I think they realized that, like budget wise, it wasn't going to work. So he just kind of became the planner instead of this mm-hmm. the Aqua dude, but. It was awesome. And we were talking about this earlier, um, because the whole rendition that Face has with the imaginary dog in mm-hmm. the insane asylum. No, Murdoch. Murdoch, yes. Um, that was right at, they, they did the, a comic adaption for that, for the A-Team comics, for the Murdoch comic, which was hilarious. That guy is an awesome actor. S- straight, straight up with him, like, going to shave his head mm-hmm. while he's talking to him. Yeah. Now, I, and he is, he is, and he does a ton of voice acting too. Oh, so does he? Chances are, if you watch a lot of cartoons, you've actually heard Murdoch. Hmm. 
hmm. doing voices. It's good stuff. Well, that wraps that up. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. I, I think it, what it's him and the Kurgan that are both like in yeah, a ton man. of stuff oh, as voice actors. Hmm. Kurgan gets a fair amount of Lex Luthor work. Most of Lex Luthor cartoons have been the Kurgan. Yeah, he he's, he's a, does a lot of voice work too. Right? I'm yeah. sorry, I don't remember his name. That was the Kurgan from Highlander. I, yeah, when you see him in real life, he's still the Kurgan. Yes. I was going to say that Dwayne from Full House gets some voice work too. That's true. Mm-hmm. The Robin. Yeah. yeah, he huh. plays Robin in Teen oh, Titans Go. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. 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 That's true. Good stuff. That nobody cares about. Well, you know. Nobody cares his Full House stuff. Well, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> right, right. I'm Dwayne. Hey, sup? You know, it's like, that's, that's one true. thing. That's true. That's pretty much his old get bag on the show. That's what he gets. Hey, right, you want to go and do uh, some Superman Wonder Woman? Number yeah, six? I'll see why not. All right. Let's rock it. All right. Rock it tune? By the way, Superman Wonder Woman has been fantastic, and if you're not reading it... Shame on you. Yeah, you're really letting yourself yeah. down. Because... <laughs> I like it. No, it's, it's been that good. Like, I know there was a lot of, like, oh, complaints, but... People were just afraid it was going to be CW-dub. We all have the same complaint. We were all afraid of it. And it's really actually pretty awesome. It's actually the only one woman book I read. You know what I mean? I don't read the original, but I'll read this. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wonder Woman's actually been really fantastic, too. But... Or Superman, too. I don't read Wonder Woman or Superman. No. I read Superman Wonder Woman. But uh, this one blows it out. Yeah. Like, every time. So, so um, basically, uh, Farah and Zod have found a way out of the Phantom Zone. Fiora and Zod? Fiora, I'm sorry. Is that right? Is it Fiora? It's Fiora. Fiora. Not Ursa anymore? No. Well, Ursa's old school, and she was never part of the... She's, she's from the movie, actually, and Fiora... Originally appeared before Ursa in the comic books, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. Like, I was looking up Fiera because of that, and yeah, she's got a lot longer history. Eventually, they just kind of changed Fiora into Ursa, but I hmm. guess now we're going back to Fiora. <laughs> so, technically, it's the same person. Yeah. yeah, it basically is the same person, yeah. I don't know why they changed the name for the film, Mixia, but regardless. Hmm. Doesn't matter. They're basically um, they're out in the South Pacific, <laughs> building some stuff. Yeah, that's what's going on. It's, a, it's evidently in a, a U.S. atomic testing site, and so you can see in the background like nuclear silos. But they're building a giant gateway. Yeah, to the Phantom Zone. Trying to possibly, yeah. Phantom Zone. With, qu- with quotations around Air it. Quotes. <laughs> Phantom Zone. I was trying to think of the, the Seattle Arch. That's what it looks like to me. St. Louis? Louis? Is it St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. St. Louis. Okay. There you go. And St. Louis, that's where I have to send my money. Don't kill Bob, Bill. Don't kill Bob, Bill. It was the Arch. <laughs> Anyways, so they're, they're building this giant <laughs> Phantom Zone Arch. And, um... Like, Zod is pretty... He's pretty determined. Like, it, it it seems like Zod and Fiora have already defeated Superman and Wonder Woman, and so now they're not worried about them anymore. Mm-hmm. They're only worried about this, like, timetable that they won't be able to open the Phantom Zone for anymore. And um, we kind of flash over to Superman and Wonder Woman, and they're talking about 
when they last faced off against them, which was last book, um, where they didn't they didn't fare so well, um, which Zod and Fiora are both much more trained in in fighting than Superman is. Now Wonder Woman, she's got the chops, but she's never faced somebody that I guess is quite as powerful as these two are. And basically, the gist of their conversation that they're having is Superman isn't sure that he can face them with Wonder Woman because he's more concerned about her being hurt than he is about doing what he needs to do to, to win the fight. And so he's kind of questioning whether or not it's better to have her with him or not. Because he's already fought them both before. Right. This is one of those times where they're, they're going back to the original history and using that this this battle had already taken place, which is kind of strange because I I got the jive when they first had Zod out there that Superman hadn't really known Zod that well or hadn't really met him before. Same with like Doomsday too. Yeah, well Doomsday they kind of established he had he'd been here. Well, yeah, but not not when he first arrived because Superman's like, what was that? Well, I think he didn't see him at first. Or he saw him, he saw something down in the water. Anyway, yeah. that doesn't matter. No, that's right. Yeah. I mean, they they played games with that before, mm-hmm. but with Zod, I didn't. It was, it was I don't just think so. strange. Yeah, well, it's just like the Flashes in Justice League, where they're like, "Oh, by the way, everybody fought Starro. Keep going, guys." Yeah. You know, it, uh, it's, it's just one of those hiccups in the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it was just that uh, he never brought Zod to the the completed Fortress of Solitude before. Oh, maybe because he locks him up in in the pins that he's keeping all the uh, exotic animals in. And he thought they were cages. Cargo containers. And they wanted to be in cargo containers, yeah. And, of course, Zod knew how to open them because, eh, they all have a preset. If you didn't put a code into them, they're always the same code. Yeah. Anyhow, regardless of that, like, Superman and Wonder Woman are, are basically bouncing back and forth about whether or not this relationship makes them stronger. And basically, like, Wonder Woman's like, well, you know. Pair. Look, look, uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, you got to look in yourself and, like, find out if that's the truth. But um, she thinks that they've always been better together than they are separate. But if we start questioning whether or not we're right for each other, maybe that's the end of us anyways. Yeah, she tells them to look deep. And so they go back to Hephaestus. And um, I'm, I'm assuming that we, we know that they, we went to Hephaestus's workshop before where we met uh, Apollo. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, evidently they've been back since then and talked to him about making some kind of suits that would allow them to counter uh, Zod and Fiora. They're hypersenses. Yeah, they're hypersenses. Um, and they're kind of questioning him whether it's done or not. And of course he's like, of course it's done. I'm freaking the best as I do stuff. I always make my stuff right. What do you think I'm down doing here with this hammer? I'm mm, building things. I make things. Right. Who made the sword be able to go into your gauntlet, Wonder Woman? Did you do that? Nope, me! <laughs> Who has lava hands? I do. All right. So basically he's like, yeah, it's done. I have it made. And he kind of cautions him already that, like, you've already made a, an enemy of a pretty powerful god in um, Apollo. And he's like, well, Apollo's still the god of the sun, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Because Superman's thinking, well, what's he going to do to me? Because any of his... Like, sun-type attacks are going to just make me stronger. He hasn't thought yeah. about what Apollo could do to other things. But, um... Can you turn off the sun? I don't think he can. That'd be crazy. 
But who knows? I, don't know, I just thought about that. I, I just stopped thinking. Honestly, if, if he shuts off the sun, though, would he still be? Would he still have his godly powers? Well, I think he probably still would. But I mean, Supes, I guess, would have powers too until the whole thing wore off or whatever. So ultimately, it doesn't matter. Keep going. So we go back to Fiora and Zod, and um, they're about done making their. Am I saying your name wrong? Yeah. No, his brain is exploding because of my nonsense. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, they're about done with their their portal, and um, Ursa sees them first for a second, just out of the corner of her eye. You're right. Yep. You okay over there? Maybe. Maybe need some help. Maybe. Not Curtis's help, though. <laughs> he doesn't need the Heimlich. He was coughing. I got five options. <laughs> All of them are going to go in the same place. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I can't help what's true. I've got a pen, and we can make a whole new sort of tracheotomy time. I got a pen knife. I got an empty bottle. Okay. <laughs> Proceed, sir. All right. So, um, Fiora sees it for just a second and kind of called out to Zod before he gets blasted with, like, heat vision. And, um, she runs over to check on him. And, of course, he's, like, flabbergasted, like, oh, how heck could they attack me without me seeing it? Because they're starting to benefit from all the things that Superman would have, all of his heightened senses and hearing and sight and so on. And we kind of flash back and we see that, evidently, um, Hephaestus has loaned them his chariot, which is invisible and it has its own weapons. It might be a jet. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Where when, is Wonder Woman's jet? When I first looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the invisible jet. But like in the cartoon, you could see Wonder Woman in the jet. Mm -hmm. You can't see him in this. No. So it's pretty cool. That's yeah, this cool. is going to be a much better, uh, I think, situation for him. But uh, Hephaestus explains, and he explains his uh, his jet a little bit, that he uses it to get back and forth from place to place. Because, of course, he can't travel like the rest of them. And Hephaestus really doesn't look very human. So No, he looks he like a golem. Yeah, yeah, he can't really be seen out very much. And he doesn't seem, at least at this point, to be able to change shape. Although, who knows? He's a god, so... Um, either way, we have a... Uh, and it's important to notice that Zond can speak English, and so can Farrah, but they kind of play this game where they speak Kryptonian to each other, because they think Superman doesn't know how to understand it. Wonder Woman certainly doesn't, but I noticed that in the book, that they do that quite a bit, actually. But uh, Zod is kind of crippled by this attack. You got something to say? Do it. Keep going, you're good. Okay. Spit it out, Ross. No, we're good. I promise it's not worth me saying. Do it anyway. I'll say it later. Okay. Bye. If you visit me at my booth, I'll tell you about it. Yep. <laughs> I'm at 141 South Pico Lane. <laughs> Anyhow. Any address for a booth, but all right. No. Keep on moving. You decide what show that's at, and we'll go for it. Okay. So um, Zod is pretty much crippled. But they have this whole conversation where Zod is convinced that if they attack Wonder Woman, Superman will go to her aid instead of attacking him. 
which is kind of what the problem was before. Mm-hmm. Is that Superman kept being more worried about trying to save Wonder Woman than he was about taking care of his other Farrah. But uh, one of the big things Wonder Woman was talking about was like that she could take care of it herself to begin with. Basically calls him a punk again. Yeah, which honestly, she probably has far more battle experience than Superman does. Oh, yeah. But whether she's the same durability, who knows? Like, we've known for a long time that she's at or around Superman's level. But we don't know for sure. Because basically, Superman's always holding back. Right. So, but Fiera goes up uh, basically for the kill, even firing her, her heat vision. And actually, when I first saw this... I swear I thought Wonder Woman just straight broke her neck. That's what it looks like. <laughs> like, like I thought it was just Ferris dead. I was like, holy cow, Wonder Woman. But uh, they both have uh, some kind of special suit um, that looks a lot like their regular costumes, but it's like a silver with gold meshing. And aside from being more stealthy, we don't really know why they have them. Farrah and Wonder Woman completely go into battle with each other, and rather than Superman... Lending a hand there, he flies directly after Zod. And uh, he basically tells Zod that, like, he's not going to be allowed to do what he's doing. And that he's not going to let him bring Doomsday into this planet. And Zod's like, well, you're crazy. I wouldn't bring Doomsday here. Why would I want Doomsday in a planet that I want to conquer? Mm-hmm. And Superman's like, oh, you're not? Well, Let's be pals. Yeah, no. <laughs> not quite that aggressive, but, like, uh, basically Zod makes it clear that he has other purposes for Earth, and Doomsday wasn't a part of that to begin with. But, that he had forced Doomsday through to begin with, to weaken the barrier enough for him to get through himself. But it sounds like he has other people on the other side of the barrier that he owes something to, that maybe found a way to bring Doomsday through in the first place. From there, Zod kind of makes him look like a punk. He manages to hit him and uh, grab his hair and knee him in the face. And we kind of can see a really cool Superman moment here where he, like, is falling back and he uses his super speed to come flying back into him and, like, elbow him in the head. And we have a pretty cool battle in the air with Superman and Wonder Woman and Farrah and Zod. And we see Wonder Woman using her uh, tiara. That's a great weapon to smash Fiora's nose. Which is awesome. It's pretty brutal. It goes on for about two pages. Yeah, we have quite a bit, quite a bit of battling. And, um... Uh, it seems like they kind of both come out of it not too worse for wear, but Superman and Wonder Woman look a little bit more dinged up than Farron and Zod do. And uh, Zod's kind of bragging about how he's hit him over a hundred times, and, you know, why won't you guys ever figure out that you can't beat us? You might as well just come with us and join us, because you're never going to win. And uh, Wonder Woman and Superman kind of look at each other, and they're like... Yeah, hit over a hundred times. You think that's going to be enough? And Wonder Woman's like, oh, that should do. And so they grab their, they grab hands, and uh, the suit reacts to each other. And it causes this kind of electrical response at first, and then it explodes, shooting all the chunks of the suits off, hitting Farrah and Zod. I think they were uh, absorbing kinetic energy. Yeah, I believe so, too. And that the, uh, the release was them making that connection. And uh, the force of, them, force of it is enough to take out both Farrah and Zod. And they go crashing down into the ocean. And that's where we find Apollo and Strife are 
sitting in Olympus and they're watching what's happened with Superman and Wonder Woman, and we find out that Apollo has been using his power with the sun to supercharge uh, Farrah and Zod, so they could power up to be as, as strong as Superman or stronger already, without being on Earth as long as he has. Um, we also know that, like, even though he's really, like, just lounging there, like, he's still really pissed off about the whole situation with him and, and Superman and Wonder Woman. Because he kind of got played like a punk. He got punched, like, hard enough to fly out into orbit. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, he's like, well, with all these gifts that I've given them, why can't they do anything? And so he decides to, like, intervene one more time. And Strife is kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? We can just start a whole war between the superhumans and, and us. Be like the battles of old. And Apollo just doesn't care and stinks his ha sticks his hand into kind of this looking pond that he's watching from. And it reacts as like a beam of solar energy that just goes straight down into the ocean. And Zod and Pharaoh rise up all supercharged like they were when uh, he first faced off against Apollo. And of course from there, Zod Nurse, uh, or, sorry, Zod and Pharaoh managed to beat the heck out of Superman and Wonder Woman. And they're basically at the point where they could kill him. And Zod's like, well, we're running out of time, and they're already tough enough to kill as is. So let's leave them somewhere that they won't be a problem. And so they decide to take him over to the uh, abandoned nuclear silos. And his idea was that if uh, Superman's in there long enough, he won't be able to absorb solar radiation and um, lose all strength. he'll lose his strength and it'll be easier to kill later. So they dump him inside of the old silo. And then they go to activate the uh, the portal. Now, I assumed they were going to the Phantom Zone, but when the portal opens, it's to War World, which is where Mongols been hanging out. And there's a whole army waiting for them. So I don't know if this is actually connected to the Phantom Zone, or if this is like the legit War World that we saw in Villains Month for uh, Mongol. Anybody else have that? I didn't read that. I didn't either. Mm -hmm. Did you guys think this was Phantom Zone? I didn't. Ha I kind of because it's such a big portal. Portal. I didn't think it would be the Phantom Zone. It's connected to Batman, Superman, isn't it? Didn't they put all of War World in the Phantom Zone? Oh, maybe. I want to say they did. Yeah, I kind of think Ross was right. Huh. I change. don't totally remember that though. Oh, know. that's right, because Mongol did come to the come to Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. That that might have been in that annual. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. I'm surprised they don't actually mention it. Isn't Mongol in Superman, Batman right now, or Batman Superman? Mm -hmm. He was. He was right. in the last arc. So, anyway, that, that might be where that comes from. Supes and, and Wonder Woman are, are pretty worked over, and um, they're basically talking about how. They can't let Zod and, and Farad do this. They can't open this gate. Because whatever they bring out from what he presumes is the Phantom Zone, it's going to be too much. And he already knows that he has designs on the planet, so they have to stop him here and now. This is the only chance. And so he starts asking Wonder Woman about her sword. Because uh, Hephaestus had said that it was sharp enough to cut an atom. And she's like, well, I've never known Hephaestus to lie, but I can't see Adams. And Superman's like, well, I can. And so they kind of decide as like a last-ditch effort to, to uh, destroy this portal. 
that they're going to try to cut an atom inside of this reactor tower. Now, the important thing to understand is that the reactor tower, although decommissioned, still has the um, atoms that react to each other to make a nuclear explosion. Right. So it'll cause the same kind of reaction that a nuclear bomb would. And so Superman and Wonder Woman both grab the sword and decide to cut this atom. And we have this like last little moment we were just talking about where Superman's like, I love you. And Wonder Woman's like, of course you do. And then they cut the atom in this huge nuclear explosion that like blasts out all over the island. And we see Superman and Wonder Woman kind of framed in this hellfire. And then the last panel for the book is Superman looking like a zombie. This burnt up in this totally ash-covered uh, scene with somebody wrapped up inside of his cape. And that's, like, the big cliffhanger of Luke that they lend you on. And, like, Superman and Wonder Woman's been so good because they always seem to find a way to leave you on something that makes you be like, what the... Like, you can never walk away from the book not wanting to get to the next book. It's true. It's good. It's good yeah. cliffhanger. They good do writing. a great job of it. I, I never kind of get to the end of it and be like, God damn you! I always get to it and I'm like, dang it! What the hell? Yeah, like yeah. like I'm always left going, I got to get the next one. Not like, why did you make me wait to the next one? So. And this is the same dude writing She-Hulk. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. And Charles Soul and Thunderbolts. Yeah, I hadn't realized that. thing. And Letter Forty Four. Red Lanterns. Yep. Wow. And he gets around. There's a lot of stuff. So. A heck of a writer. And a... Full-time lawyer. Yeah, criminal lawyer. Seems right. like we talk about one of his books every time. Huh. Well, it's kind of hard yeah, to miss one. Yeah, it's like nine of them, like ten of them. Yeah, books. it's pretty good. It's ridiculous. You don't like that, do you? No, it's fine. God, you look so mad right well, now. That's what happens. Why do you got so much anger toward him? Because <laughs> he has the power to instill great rage? Yes. That's he's, why he's writing Red Lanterns. Because he's, right. he's, a, he's a criminal lawyer. What the heck's he doing writing comics? <laughs> right? And he just came out of nowhere, didn't he? Yeah, you kind know? of, yeah. Like a year ago. Yeah, he's pretty, still pretty new to the scene, I think. Uh, Mike, score book, go. I'd give it a... Give it a 3.5. That's good stuff. Gertis? I'll give it a 3. Solid. Good writing, good art. Um, right. It makes you want to see where it goes. That's true. I forgot the last book or didn't read it, and I didn't feel lost. Ooh. So good, also. Yeah, Mr. Ross. I'll give it a four. I actually haven't read anything else other than the very first issue of Superman Wonder Woman. I liked it a lot. I told you, at least Ross is honest about what he reads. Yep. <laughs> And he doesn't care about Wonder Woman or Superman. Oh. Well. <laughs> Mostly jokes, Ross. Mostly she's, jokes. She's got a sword. It's awesome. I actually really like Superman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> and actually, this was, this was a really clever thing. Um, and I can't remember if it happens in the pages of Superman or, or... I'm sorry, in Wonder Woman or in the pages of Superman Wonder Woman. I think it's Superman Wonder Woman. Because her sword, after a while, aside from in the Wonder Woman comic, just doesn't come up. We just don't use it that much. And half of that is because, you know, if you keep using the sword, you either diminish that the, the sword has a killing power or... You've killed everybody? Yes. Or, like, you know, you take it out and you kick somebody in the head and then you put it away. So they <laughs> came up with a cool idea of how to hide it. 
with having Hephaestus make her gauntlets be able to like kind of create a little pocket that that the sword will reside in. So it's riding around in her her gauntlets. So we don't have to have it out there all the time. So if she really needs it, it's there. But we're not always having to be like, well, where's her sword at? So That's cool. That's funny that you mentioned that, because that reminds me of that uh, that Justice League movie we watched that was like the Super Friends reboot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Wonder Woman takes out her sword like five times and always goes and kicks someone in the face when she <laughs> takes it. She never actually uses the sword. No, she does yeah. business. Sword gets in the way. Kicks softly, carry a big sword. There you go. I think that's, that's how they say it. Yeah. Paraphrasing. There's at least one version of it. Thank you, President. All right. All right. I, I'd go with a uh, 3.5. I really, really enjoy it. I think it's one of the stronger books that's coming out of DC right now. Right. Yeah, I, I would give it three and a half. Also, it, I mean, if Charles Soule had this level of art on everything he's doing, it, every one of them would be fantastic. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that writer-wise, the guy's great, but you team up with someone that's a dog and it doesn't help. But some people like that dog. No, that's not true, man. It's true. People think it's cute, but it's never, they never actually it. Like goes it goes to second print, third no, print, all no, the time. No. Which one? What? The dog. Like, like the She-Hulk book is what I think we're talking about. I didn't about. say it. I'm pretty sure we're talking about the She-Hulk. <laughs> yes. Or Shulky to you, the fans out there. Right, Shulky. Really? Not... Yeah. <laughs> you got to be deep into the, deep into it, Rob. Wade into this pool with me. <laughs> he could definitely draw She-Hulk. Huh? He, he, I'd like to see his his, uh, his rendering of She-Hulk. You'd like to see Soul's rendering of She-Hulk? No, uh, Daniels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniels is a great artist. Yeah, yeah, it'd actually be great. That guy would ever go to Marvel. Well, yeah. Back. Did he do Marvel? He, he never did. He was always Image, wasn't he? Hmm. Image, Dark Horse, and Marvel. Or well, DC. We're sending uh, John Ramada over, so. Oh, Mia Jr.? Yeah. Maybe we can get. <laughs> you gotta make room for that big Lego head. JR. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll do an exchange. We'll, we'll, get, we'll send them Ramada, and yeah. then Marvel can have Daniels come over. Daniels. But then so we don't get think? him on uh, Superman Wonder Woman anymore. That's true. Oh, well, yeah, we'll get Ramada. Ramada. Well, oh, no, they've got they've got all. There's really another guy. Anyway, let's move on to Magnus. Bat Black. was doing the inks in that too. Really? Bat hasn't done inks oh, in a while. Man, that's weird. Yeah. Well, I guess he's coming days. back. But that's remember cool. when we talked to that lady? At, yeah. Uh, Where that was? Oh, I don't know what. Comic Con. Comic Con. Yeah. Her, his wife. Uh, that was his wife. That's right, Vinker. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Because I don't remember seeing his name since I don't know. Like 2002. He's been coming back steadily, so. That's good. Can you imagine what would happen to this book if they put Devlin on it? You know, I. They'd don't lose think. one reader. Nope. Cha-ching. <laughs> I don't think that's the right sound for that. Wah, wah, wah. That works. There you go. All right. Uh, let's move on to Magnus Robot Fighter. Magnus Robot Honestly, Fighter. I like, Robot Fighter. <laughs> I like to say it wouldn't hurt it too bad, but you never know. But yeah, Magnus the Robot Fighter. So good. Especially it since his shirt looks like a Red Lantern shirt. Well, he's always had the chainmail kind of top. It's just... I'm just talking about the design on it, mm. not the quilted top. Well, the main thing is they fixed his oh, pants. No. Yes. You know? They didn't <laughs> fix his pants. They gave him pants. Hey. He graduated to pants. That's he true. earned his pants. <laughs> Why can't Wonder Woman? Oh, well, she did before the New 52. Yeah, and it was horrible. He looked good in the skirt. 
<laughs> it was just it was just dangerous when he did high kicks. Okay? <laughs> he did them a lot. For for people who don't know, for his enemies, he used to run around in like a Zap Brannigan tunic. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. And with his partner Kip. Yeah, there's no Kip. <laughs> oh, I get you. Okay. That was that was the danger of the high kick. That's right. All right. Kip, Kip would show up. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, so basically, we begin in a we assume nebulous future because it doesn't actually say, right? Um, but we're looking at the snow globe of like this kind of picture perfect town, and it's kind of like Aspen, sort of. Yeah, it's a ski town, whatever. Being a ski town. But we have this kid who's uh, like kind of obsessed with this snow globe, and we have the teacher who. Um, Kind of threatens him that like if he doesn't put it away, he's going to take it away from him or whatever. Um, and the teacher is teaching the kids about Frederick Douglass. And what we know, notice pretty quick is uh, once the kid puts the snow globe away, they all have like holographic um, notebooks, basically, or yeah. notebooks on their desk. And there's robots. There's in a the couple class. of there's a couple of robots in the classroom, but he's teaching them about Frederick Douglass, and he's teaching them about how Frederick Douglass was told that he couldn't read or write because he was African-American, and so he sh didn't have the smarts to do that. And so he actually wrote his book to prove that he had the intelligence to read and write and to kind of shove it in their face. And, like, the big thing that he's trying to explain to these kids is that the way that slavery kind of works is that they'll, they'll try to enslave your mind first, and your body will follow what your mind believes. And Frederick Douglass was trying to say that that's not how we have to be. That if your mind can see past it, then you can you can find freedom. And then very quickly from there, we find out that he's also the gym coach, and that he's Coach Magnus. He's teaching the kids karate. And he's teaching the kids karate with a uh, training robot, and. Um, we keep having them refer to A1, which is evidently uh, like a, a big computer that's, that's running a bunch of different things. But he appears as like an old man who's kind of sketched on line paper. And he's the one who kind of keeps track of the environment, I guess, outside and like some of the uh, times for, for different activities. Well, he's like a nebulous monitor. It's like he's running the city and keeping things in line. So, yeah, yeah it's like he's yeah, like a nebulous monitor of the whole entire town. Like, everybody talks to him, everybody sees him, but it's it's like he, he's driving how things happen. It's like the mayor. Yeah, basically. kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. But Except yeah. in everybody's life. Or right. the overseer. There you go, that's a good one, overseer. If I can make my eyes go two different directions at the time that I say that, it would work perfect. They can't the see The overseer. They, they can't see you. That's okay. Pay no attention to the man behind the couch. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, Magnus is like... He's, he's very much, like, involved in this small town and, like, has this whole fundraiser that he's trying to get the kids in the judo class to go to New Korea to, like, be in some tournament. And it's, like, yeah. it's very much, like, just daily life stuff. And from there, he's kind of going down the street and he sees, like, an older man that has a robot that's pushing him and he says hi to the guy and he says hi to the robot and, you know, the robot's name is L7 and so... We find out there's a lot of, like, little designations like that for, for these robots, but for him, like, everything seems to be normal. It's just kind of a small-town atmosphere. 
Um, and so Magnus finds his way to the old fix-it garage, where we find like the old uh, mechanic there kind of fretting over whether they're going to be able to get Y23 up and running so that it can keep the snow coming down and like make sure the slopes are taken care of. And that's where we introduce Magnus's wife. Or girlfriend. Uh, well, yeah, I, I assume it's the wife, but yeah, I guess they don't really the robot, say. The robot refers to her as Miss O, so I'm yeah, guessing she's the daughter of the guy that owns the garage. Oh, I see. Yeah. So maybe he's actually named oh. O Fix-It. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they're talking about how they, how they keep things, uh, yeah, they, they're kind of just talking a little bit there about their relationship and... She makes this joke to the uh, the robot, the Y-23, to not run over so many blades, and the robot's like, Is this humor? She's like, This is humor. So, like, they understand certain things, but not everything. Right. In dialogue. Um, and then they kind of talk a little bit about a celebration, and she, uh, she tells them that she's pregnant, basically. And they're kind of having their whole conversation for a little while, and then we see in the background A-1 watching them. But he's watching them with like a Santa Claus like gleam in his eye, like, oh, I'm so proud. My boy's having a family now. Yeah, it's a little weird and creepy. I didn't, well, I didn't it get is so until much, you read the next page. I didn't get yeah, so much creepy from it as I much as I did. really. Yeah. I kind of got more like, oh, he's like the old advisor that watches over the town, so he's happy that they found love. Yeah. That's kind of what I got from it too. Actually. I'm like dirty old computer watching me do things. <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. I think that's just you. Okay, then keep on moving. <clears throat> but then from the next panel, we see um, he's out fishing. And um, he's kind of making some jokes about this fish. And he's, uh, hey, hey, Moby Dick over here. Good catch, Pops. And we find out that he's talking now to A1, the advisor robot. And the advisor robot's basically like, you shouldn't call me that. This is not something that, uh, that's appropriate for us. And we find out from there that Magnus has evidently been orphaned at an early age. And basically, like, A1 had raised him. And so he's kind of like, well, you know, you've always been like a father to me. And we, as, as humans, we do this. When we like something, we name it. And that's just how we are. And the robot's like, well, you understand that you're the only species ever to do that. Mm -hmm. So you might think about why that is. Then he says love is... He shows love as binary. Yeah, he, he says that, you know, we say things like we say love, we use the word love, but to us it's just, you know, this binary code. And he talks about how they just mimic feelings, they mimic things they see the humans doing. They're not really, they don't really feel anything, but they mimic it. So they talk about that a little bit in there, too. And like he's, he says it's just a word, and like, ultimately it makes the vibrational sound of leave. L with an upside down E and a V. It was a little weird. That's the pronunciation guide. There you go. Yeah. So teach you how to make it sound. Love. Yeah. That makes an uh sound, evidently. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so like and, and kinda in the end he's like, Yeah, it's really strange that you want to talk to me about this, but okay. And then we pull back and we find it's a gigantic robot standing in the stream with like a fishing rod. That's plucking the fish off of with the, like the little monitor of his head, and he's like, "Oh, you'll always be dad to me." But he's like this monstrous machine with a really tiny computer screen in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. 
And then we go from there to seeing like missile strikes, it looks like, in the town. Pretty much. And Magnus is like, what? I gotta get in the town. So he runs into town and we see people trying to put out fires and he's trying to contact the, the girlfriend type. And this gigantic uh, robot thing lands in front of him and starts latching down and like takes these guns out. And um, it like uh, begins to like look like it's going to try to kill Magnus. And I kind of got the impression that like this thing looked an awful lot like A1, but it looks a little rounder now that I'm looking at it here. But um, before, it, and you know, he, he's trying to like get a hold of the girlfriend or the wife or whatever. But before he can start to do that, it's like a film starts burning, like you're watching an old celluloid film tape and revealing like a, a checkered screen and then even like a picture of his own face seems to be burning in the same way and we see him kind of fall back onto a lot of cables and he seems to have a couple wires hooked to himself and he's of course he's calling out the girlfriend's name Mora Mora and then we kind of flash even further back to see a whole bank of computers and it looks like SWAT officers with people in robot suits and like at least one robot soldier or two. And then like this little hole in the floor that we can see Magnus through. And all the cables lead down to him. And as he kind of like starts freaking out, he falls on the ground. And he starts being beckoned over by the A1 robot, which is just like the face on the screen. He winds up going over to the screen, and now what I noticed first about this is that instead of looking Santa Clausy, the face has got definite color in it now, and it's more like an actual bit, like a face on the screen, not like a sketchy face, but like an actual face. And he basically tells him the world you lived in can be the real world. Get your, you can get your life back. I'll meet you at the Central Exchange or whatever, and you need to run. You're tra you you weren't you weren't completely ready yet. And yeah, you're, you're being separated too soon. You're being separated too soon, yeah. But, but this life where robots and humans can live together in peace, that can be real. But um, he tells them basically to like go save himself, and then the screen kind of phases out. So it's kind of like a Matrix type thing. A little bit. Seems like it, yeah. Like, yeah, it feels like Logan's Run kind of. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Uh, there's another one I just thought of, but I can't remember now. Mm. But I kind of get the feeling that he's being conditioned. Something like that. And as he's running through the aisles, or through these tunnels, kind of on the way out, we see a book of Frederick James, like, lying there in a puddle. Frederick Douglass, yeah. Frederick Douglass. It's the same book he was using to teach the kids. Yeah, so, like, at least that was there, so. But he manages to make his way out of this tunnel, out into the city, and we presume it's probably New York, because the skyline is built all up and around the Statue of Liberty. So he's standing about at head level of the Statue of Liberty, and the buildings tower up beyond that. And as he explores the city, he kind of goes up like these escalators, and there's just people everywhere. And he's starting to ask where people, where, where things are or where he's at. But as he talks to them, he starts kind of seeing through their skin and registering that there are androids underneath. And he's like... He gets freaked out and he's like, oh, never mind. And like he kind of like pushes back and he's about to go through this tunnel. And he hears this uh, command come up that the bridge is going to go out and the bridge disappears and like a car goes flying past in the air. And he's like, oh my gosh, we have flying cars. And the person next to him is like, duh. 
He's like, oh yeah, of course, because flying cars. It just happens. And you can kind of see in the background here, there's like a countdown until rainfall. And you start seeing like this old lady like starting to get an umbrella out, and then it just starts coming down. And so he's just caught in the rain. And he happens to see his way to the central network. And so he manages to get in there, and he's talking to this robot. And the robot, the first thing that pops up is a... One of the captures. Yeah, it's like, it's like one of those codes that you have to verify that you're a real human to sign up for something. And it wants him to say what that is. And then it scans his eye. And it reads him first as human. And then it's unregistered. And then it says detained. And so, like, it acts like it's going to help him. And then it sends these robot soldiers in to kind of detain him. And what does Magnus do with robots? Magnus fights robots. <laughs> and so they start to try to apprehend him and tell him to relax. And he's like, I'm not going to have any of this. You robots are done. And so he just completely attacks and like karate chops one of their heads off. And then he cuts off one of their arms with his karate chop of death. He takes it and bashes it into another person's, another one of their faces. And it's like, oh, well, better put up the threat level. And so they start popping guns out to shoot at him. From there, he dodges their shots. Using the same arm that he ripped off, he slashes another one in half. And then we flash back to the lady, the robot lady that's, like, at the counter. And she's, like, appalled, like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me because I'm a robot. And it's like, all I want is my life back and the carnage of all these robotic husks around him. And this blonde lady comes walking out. And he recognizes her as human. And so he's, like, just relieved to see another person. And is like, what the heck is going on here? Why doesn't anybody want to help me? And she winds up pulling a gun and shooting him in the chest. She pretty much captured She's him. a bounty hunter, too. Yes. A human hunter. And there was actually a, a sign outside out in the street, if you're looking for it. Leisure. That talks about human hunting. <clears throat> but it's, like, just kind of in the maelstrom of the city. And it's, and it's weird that she's a human. Hunting yeah. humans. Well, you know. I wonder if that's her only... She'll know, uh, she knows more about hunting humans than, than her robot does. But she mentions that she, she got another one. And that's kind of where we end it with her capturing Magus after he tore the hell out of those robots. That stupid movie I was trying to think of, it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it first, and then it had Colin Farrell in a remake. Oh, you're talking about Total, Total Recall? Total Recall. Hey. That's how it kind of... Yeah, okay. I can see that. I kind of felt like, um, on my first read, that he's being conditioned by A1 to accept his role as a as a robot, or, like, to be controlled by him, and actually, like, that's why I thought he was talking about the, oh, gosh, I said his name, like, twice now, but the black guy, shoot. Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, and, like, his understanding of controlling people, or, like, the concept of slavery. I think that was... 1A trying to help him break out of this reverie he was in. It's possible. I think that that was a conditioned life that they were trying to give him. Hmm. Just like in Total Recall. It's possible, that's too. How I, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah I can then, probably give you that. And then a, 1A was trying to get him out of there to free yeah, him from that. Clearly, whenever the, the program goes crazy and then the, the SWAT officers break in, it, yeah, it's, he's trying to get him out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think... Uh, and uh, this is just something that I, when I was looking at it, it looks like that first robot, when he looks at him, the one that's attacking him, there's a flash next to his head for a second, like a weird, almost like a lens flare, 
and that's where he chops him and takes his hook head completely off. So it's almost like you can see where to hit these robots to break them. I think that's what that's supposed to be. I don't think it's just a random thing. I think it's well, like that would make sense if he can see right through well, just like when you human see scan him, with a robot. Yeah, just like when he's looking at the the other that whole, people. The, that whole crowd of people. Yeah, they were robots. All robots. Or like underneath that's the, the flesh. Little I Liveish. Is that right. what called? Yeah. Live? Or the Roddy Piper movie? The they, they, live. Live. they Live. They Live. Yeah, like they Live. God, inside. there's so many good movies that right. are wrapped up in this Bad book. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, they live yeah, the thing when she says at the end when she says another one, I think she means that he's this, another one showing up like that. And I don't, I, it's hard to say if that's what, like, we'll know when we get the second issue. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll know more. Well, there's a, there's a lot of, Is this is set up as a, an ongoing, right? Yep. So... I think they have a pretty darn good idea of what they want to do with their first story for it. And this this is the kind of first issue I like to read. Mm. Yeah. Because there's just enough action and there's just enough mystery to not know what's going on. Yeah. That you do want to read more. And honestly, like, I, I don't mind a lot of times reading it and being, like, lost in what's going on. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm not lost five to six issues later. Yeah, to the point of, man, this is stupid. Yeah, as long as I don't, like, pull a... Morning Glories on me. Like, I'm good. Right. Like, Morning Glories is still a lot of fun, but Morning Glories is all all the time, every issue. Like, what the hell is going on? I don't <laughs> get it. I'm going to come back and find out next time. And then you get back and you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, pretty deadly. Maybe. Hey, whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I can't say that. No. Right? I, don't think, I don't think that's not necessarily the same. Uh, Curtis Scorebook, go. Oh, for a first issue, I'm gonna give it a four. Solid, solid book. Okay. Fred Van Lente's writing it. Corey Smith's drawing it. Yeah. It's worth your money. Do you know Corey Smith from Legend of the Shadow Clan? Damn right. Yep. Mm. That guy's legit. Yeah. Is Ross? Give it a four too. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. See? Nice. It's yeah, a good, good damn book. Ross doesn't like anything. It's true. He wasn't yeah, even in water. He'll rust. He wasn't a stream. He was. Uh, Rob score? Um, I'm going to 3-5. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Ooh. I was going to pass on Vegas, but now I think I'm going to have to stick it out and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah, I I give it 3.5. I, I give it 3.5. I, I, I like it. I, I like it. The art's pretty good. I, I'll find a 4. Yeah! All right. It, it is a fun book. It really is. Like, as far as... Uh, Magnus in the past... Compared to this current Magnus, 300 times better. Yeah. And not well, just because of the score, and the, cause the art style helps a lot, and the style of story helps a lot. Because before, it felt like you were really lost in some early 70s Logan's run that made no sense. Yeah. At least in the, the, the ones when they try to revive it at Dark Horse, that's how it felt. And this one at least has, like, a direction. Yeah. Whereas the other stuff felt like, Because eh. this is totally revamped. Yeah. That's why, that's, that's why I like it a lot. Yeah. Mr. Mike? Uh, give it a, give it a four. Yeah, right. it's pretty yeah, good. it's pretty good. Like. All right, that make Curtis happy. Yeah, and Craig was here. He's a robot, so he'll be real happy. Yeah, that's true. Except he doesn't like Megas because he fights robots, so he can't endorse this book. I think he could. That's what he told me last night. He could endorse it because uh, he's confused. He fights robots. Anyway, um, all right, let's move on to let's do Starlight. All right. Starlight, yeah. Starlight. Well, and uh, title-wise, I don't know if I like the title a lot, but the book itself is freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, the title doesn't bother me like it usually would. Yeah. 
Because, I don't know, it just conveys to me space. Right. Yeah, Although right. it is a song, isn't it? Starlight, star bright, first magical. First light I see you tonight. That's, that, was, that was light bright. My yeah. bad. <laughs> bright, total magical glowing light. light. But you, you're a bad man. <laughs> ah, bad, bad man. This is another book from Image. It's awesome. Uh, where's Magnus? was from Dynamite, uh, in case you're interested. Uh, moving forward, sorry. All right, so we actually open up with a great splash scene on this alien world. We got this like um, almost like a Mayan sort of temple thing, um, and we're seeing like loads of people kind of stationed all around it on this like very beautiful alien planet with uh, these tall spired buildings. And we see um, from there, we've got this uh, guy who's kneeled down being given a medal. And he's like, I don't need this medal. And she's like, well, somebody's got to have it because you overthrew this dictator and now you've made everyone on the planet be able to experience freedom for the rest of their life. So you deserve at least something. This is like a queen or princess lady with a giant gown that's, that's giving him this medal. Yeah, she looks like a combination between Days of Thoris from the Warlord of Mars and like a peacock. <laughs> Not her face, though. No, no, just her costume. Like, her face, she looks kind of like an elf. Yeah. <laughs> You're a peacock. Well, she's other peacock feathers. Okay, go on. No. Yeah. I'll give you that, sir. But um, we see in the background, they're, like, pulling down the old dictator's statue. And he's like, what are you guys doing over there? And she, of course, explains that they're pulling down the statue because they're going to put one up of him. Because mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's really changed things. He's saved, he saved the day. Yeah, this is liberator. I mean, this is kind of the end of every, like, big sci-fi epic where... The human from Earth has changed everything and like freed the galaxy of whatever the problems are. Here's the part that we don't ever see. He evidently went back to Earth, and it's been X number of years. So now we're seeing him as like an old man, and he's like woke up in his bed alone, and he's putting this. He's smoking a cigarette. He puts it out. He goes through his morning ritual, puts on his suit, and that's where we find out that he's going to his wife's funeral. And the whole montage of him waking up just leads to very common man you know what i mean yeah get up go do this do that do that like every every other person will do so he's just a normal guy yeah and he has the same kind of feeling i'm, I'm sure many of us have which is you know you're, you're going and you're dealing with a funeral and you're looking at people and you know they're like this is this is so good for them this is all about you people you know because you're here to experience this funeral and they're in a better place and all i can think is like what a load of you know, what a load of crap. Yeah, she's in a pine box and this is normal? You know, how, how can this be better for her when I'm not there? Like, I've spent all this time within my life with her, and now she's gone. You know, and so, like, you feel his incredible deep sadness of the loss of this woman, of his wife. And we kind of get to meet his kids a little bit in that scene, but we go to a flashback where we see her alive, and, like, they're at a restaurant, and they kind of look over and they see these kids... And they're kind of out on their first date, and they're like remembering what that was like. And so like, they buy the uh, the kids their meal, and don't tell them about it until they leave. And then we kind of have the whole moment where she discovers the lump, so we assume that it was cancer. Yeah. And it, I don't know, you can barely tell, but it looks like he's aged a lot in that six months. Yeah, he does. It's very, very movie-esque. Yeah. The way it's... And they did a great job with it. Very uh, Grand Torino-ish. 
that's I don't a know if you've seen movie. it. Yeah. yeah. But the way, no, that's his, the way, way his is, kids yeah. interact with him, the wife. Yeah. With and the, just him, bit. I mean, being kind of, he's still, yeah. he's a big dude, but he's, he's old and he's still a little He's gruff, still with and, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still got his wits about him. And his kids don't really. Well, that's the next thing you see is that the kids are kind of like, well, I can't take him because I just had, you know, another child. And, and like, the wife's actually talking to me now. Yeah, and, and the other guy's like, well, my girlfriend moved back in and everything's working out. I can't take him. And then they're both like, well, you know, he'll take care of himself. It's mm-hmm. fine, you know. So you kind of see this disconnect from from the kids. Um, and then we kind of get a flashback of him back on the planet. And he's having this crazy sword duel with this patch-eyed fighter who's talking about how, oh, you'll never beat me at my sword skills, because I was taught by what's-his-name. I have this sword that's made by this great sword maker, and you'll never be able to beat me. And so he kicks him in the groin. It's awesome. Right. And he's falling on the ground, and he's like, oh, a blow to the groin. Ungentlemanly. Yeah, ungentlemanly. And he's like, I'm from New York. And so he just zaps him in the face <laughs> with his blaster after that. And that's all being recorded on, like, a little platform. Looks like it, yeah. Uh, looks like probably in front of a whole group of people. But then we, we go back to the real world, or the re- his regular life, where he's got an alarm going off, and he gets up, and he goes to the store, and uh, now it's been a year since the death of his wife. And so he decides he's going to do something fancy at the store, and so he's, like, deciding he's going to make some kind of special chili or some kind of lasagna or something. And these kids kind of push this, uh, this kind of Poindexter kid up. And the kid goes, uh, is it really true that you, you got sucked through some kind of wormhole and you went to some parallel planet and you met aliens and stuff? Because that's what I hear. And he's like, you know, I don't like to talk about it. But yeah, I don't know about being sucked through a wormhole. <laughs> but I did go to another planet. I did meet aliens. And the kid's like, is it true that they... Uh, they probed your anus, <laughs> and he's like, "Get the heck out of here, you kids!" Right? And the kids run off like, "Oh, so funny!" <laughs> and like the grocery store guy's like, I'm, "I'm really sorry." Like, and he's like, "It's fine, you know, this happens." And we kind of see him go back, and he's doing mundane stuff. He's getting stuff to make this meal, and then we see him back on the planet where he's like swinging a vine from a boat that's going over a precipice, and he's driving home. And then we see him riding on the back of a dragon, which is awesome. And then we see him yeah. cooking, you know, in the barbecue, and uh, this rainstorm starts happening. And so he calls his son, and he's like, "Hey, I was just letting you know that there's a storm going on, so um, you know, be careful on your way in." And he's like, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't even. I didn't realize it was today. I thought it was two or three weeks from now." Because he was uh, convinced that it, you know, it was the the day of the funeral instead of the day that his mom or that the her mother died. The mother died. Yeah. And so they're off at like his son's little league game. And he's like, oh, I'm really hope that I didn't put you out. And we kind of see what he's done. He's got like, you know, four course meal out there and like napkins all designed out and, and everything. Like he really went out of his way to make this something special. And, yeah. And the and Millard does a good job pulling on your heartstrings right there yeah he kind of tells you know we, we knew from even at the restaurant or even at the supermarket that like this was kind of a big thing for him mm-hmm. and so he calls the other son to kind of let him know about it it's like in a board meeting he's in a board meeting his phone's going off and one of the people in the board meeting is like yeah are you gonna answer your phone it's like, okay oh, it's just, just, my my just my dad yeah and so from there he kind of goes back and he's looking at his wall 
of memorabilia. Awesome. And it's right. it's all these things about test pilot returning um, from claims of being captured by aliens. You know, there's life out there in the world, and like you know, from the early stuff that's all sensational to the discrediting stuff about you know him being kicked out of NASA because of it, or not NASA, but um, like as a test pilot, and you know, oh, he sees little green men and ex Air Force. Uh, Operative opens a repair shop, and you know, like his his wife staying with him evidently was enough to merit the tabloids. But we see from his collection, he's got his spacesuit and his space gun still put up on the wall and everything. But yeah, basically, like when he came back, people didn't believe him. They kind of thought whatever he saw or whatever he did was was not real. Well, I think maybe at first they did, and then as time went on, it became more of a joke. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I can see with this stuff. It, that's what I think it is. Like, the Titanic sank, it was a real, like, a huge thing, and now people, oh, you can go down like the Titanic? <laughs> you know? It's not quite the same, but similar. You also see this name as Duke McQueen. Right. Which is a pretty rugged name. Heck yeah. That <laughs> is. So, Duke McQueen. If you're John Wayne and Steve McQueen. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing is that, of course, there wasn't any proof, so it's, and he can't go back. Right. Uh, which is what we actually find out here in the next few panels, where, like, the queen is basically saying, like, oh, you could stay and you could be the king of these people, and they will love you forever because you've given them freedom. And he's like, you don't understand, I got this pretty good gal waiting for me back home. Yeah, I got a girl back home, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, like, actually I really love that about him, that, you know... A lot of times the space hero is just like, yeah, whatever, I'll hit it and quit it. But, like, he, he wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. And, like, he wanted to stay to, with with his girl on Earth. And so he left this planet where he could have been king to go back to be ridiculed by dumbasses. Yeah. But he's kind of, you know, going through his, his memories. And uh, then there's this uh, there's kind of this commotion and all the picture frames shake. And he rushes outside and you can see in the downpour of rain a ship that's trying to conceal itself. And so he like, comes outside and like talking about all this racket and he kind of puts a coat on he steps aside and he says, my God, as uh, this cloaking device comes off and we see one of the spaceships presumably has landed out in his yard in the rain. And that's kind of where they leave us hanging. And it looks like the, the pilot's a young kid is what yeah. it looks like. But you only see the bottom of their face. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, maybe that's his kid. That was my initial reaction, too, is that maybe he did uh, get with the princess for a minute. And maybe time goes different on these two worlds. But that's just wild speculation. Um, It seems like it wouldn't even matter if it did or not, because his sons presumably are born when he comes back from the wedding. Yeah, they'd be 38. So they'd be aged up just like... Like he was, or like his own sons are. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's hard to say what the Persian pilot on the ship is going to wind up being. But yeah, it'd be it'd be pretty cool if that's what they did with it. But like story wise, it's like Flash Gordon after Flash Gordon movie. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It really is good. Yeah, I love the concept and it executed really really well. I'm not a big Millar fan, but this knocked it out for me. So. Yeah, that was good. Awesome. Is Ross going to score it? He's trying for someone else's score first. I, I'm actually uh, going to give it a four because I'm really, really psyched about this book. <laughs> I, I really can't wait to see where it's going because 
it just it just really knocked it out from the first book. So yeah, I I'll give it the same four. Like it's art wise, it's fantastic. It's real. I don't know. It's like space. It's space adventure, man. It's awesome. It just it just it's got like a classic look to it even. But the style of the story, like, yeah, it's it's really good. And I actually got to read this, like, a couple months before it came out, because they sent us a PDF of it. And they, originally his hair was blonde, and now in the books it's black, until he gets old, of course. Hmm. But I kind of think, I kind of like the black better. I think it was too close to Yeah, I think it's too close, to flo- too close to Flash. But yeah, it, I have liked it since then, when, I, when it came out and I reread it. I, it's great, like, really fun. Uh, Mr. Mike? Well, just from what I've read... Red of Millar's, uh, not used to the uh, emotion he put into this, and there's a lot. I mean, it's a heartfelt, deep. Oh yeah, like all that stuff for with his, with his family, you feel like totally bad for the guy because the sons are, they're just trying to do their own life, and he gets that. But it's, they're yeah. It's, well, they're a little assholeish. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That, That's know. major assholeish. Ignoring your dad when he's calling. It's, it's kind of a lot, lot like that, uh, Grand yeah. Torino. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else I've read from Millar has been—it's not like that. I mean, it's been pretty decent. But and then the art, Parlov's art, it's perfect yeah. for it. I'd give it a solid four. Yeah. Miss Curtis, I usually don't like that kind of art, but it lends itself very well to the story. And like you, I'm not huge on Millar. Uh, I'll give it a four. I like the old-time spacey stuff too, as right. all you guys know. <laughs> Well, that classic ship at the end, oh I mean, it looks God. like a classic Flash Gordon ship. That's what I love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, they're going with the whole, like, fish bu- um, fishbowl fish helmet. Yeah, when he was riding too. the dragon thing. Yeah. That was... All the little stuff, the little yeah. touches, the old school. Everything. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And, I'm, and, honestly, I really love the scene where he's fighting. It's like a Harrison Ford move, moment for me. You know, the guy's like, oh, you can't possibly win. And he just, like, kicks him in the groin yeah. and shoots him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> There goes all your fancy training. <laughs> right. Pretty awesome. I don't know how to defend against that. <laughs> right, exactly. Mr. Ross? You give it a 4-2. All right. Yeah, looks really cool. It's definitely a fun book. It, like, it, was, it, was, it was a fun read. Yeah. I definitely like it. That's, chance. that's two good sci-fi books. Is, yeah. that a, uh, is that a mini or is it a... What? You know? At this point, I don't. I, I, I don't thought think it was an ongoing. I don't think it's slated yet for any. I, so I have to assume ongoing. You'll probably just like test the waters. Maybe, yeah. I, it's hard to say because like Cause that's supposed to be a big thing for uh, a big pivot point for Malar World or something like that. Yeah, he's trying like to combine all of them. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what his whole. I mean, everything else he's done has been through Icon recently, at least. I mean, Kick Ass, Kick Ass Two, Kick Ass Three, Hit Girl. Um, uh, Superior, Super Criminals, Super Criminals. Superior was really good. Super, yeah, both, and so was, so was Super Criminals. Um, what was the uh, the one with the dude in the white costume? No, God, oh, Nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah. Nemesis. That was, was pretty good. I guess I take my sh- about Millar. He's yeah. done some good stuff. The, Nemesis was good too. It just it took forever for that stuff to come out. It's but like like Garthinus, he does a lot of stuff for shock right. value. That's true. Yeah, yes. a lot of the Nemesis was shock value stuff, but it was it was still good. But yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how this would tie the worlds together, but if it does, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even his two first volumes of the Ultimates was pretty, pretty good. Oh right, yeah. If you haven't read them, I mean, just the first two. Yeah, not the creepy third one with the brother sister. Tra- yeah, they, I forgot he did those first two of those. So and they're, they're, they're pretty good. Mm. Huh. Uh, way different. Yeah. If, yeah. If you can handle the Ultimates. 
Yeah, it's just a grain of salt. Just keep in mind that that's not the real universe, and Henry Pym is not that big of a douche. It's kind of a douche. Not like that. Nothing bit. like that. Alar has issues. <laughs> well, he just yeah. expanded on the original story. Yeah, he blew it up like crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you should see what he does to the Black Widow. <laughs> I don't think he likes her at all. It's true. They, they, they torture a few of those characters. Captain America is such a jerk in that universe. God, what a racist bastard. Oh, all right, let's move on to uh, how can you say about Captain America, Stephen? Because the Ultimate is a jerk. That's all right. You know my opinion of the Ultimates. Is, so. All right. Uh, let's move on to Forever Evil 6. This is the battered cover with poor old Dick Grayson beat the hell up. It doesn't Sad. Look, doesn't look very good for Dick. That's for sure. <laughs> for Grayson. In, in this season. William. <laughs> Richard, where did William come from? Breathe, breathe, breathe over there. I, I What's funny is until you, until you said that, he almost had me convinced, and I, I know that that's not his name. <laughs> Richard, it's a good thing we're dealing with children in here. You know what I always say, I love Grayson. Don't be a bag of Graysons. Mm. <laughs> I think it's something different. I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, this series has been super epic, so let's just dive into it. Um, we've got Lex Luthor and Batman kind of standing on this precipice in the pouring rain, and Lex is basically musing over the idea that none of this has ever happened before the formation of the Justice League. So, obviously, none of this is our fault. Superhumans, or supervillains can't be blamed, because without the heroes, none of this would ever have happened. And uh, Batman's kind of trying to explain to him, like, uh, their point of entry, like how they're going to get to the JLA down satellite. And Lex just kind of keeps poking at him. And keeps kind of, like, trying to... Like, he's, he's he's trying to make Batman mad with it. He's goading him, yeah. Absolutely. And Batman's yeah. still trying to, like, hold on to the situation, but it's it's actually probably the only situation that we've seen that Batman kind of isn't in control of. Mm. He's he's with, completely surrounded by these villains, and he needs them, so he can't really manipulate them the way that he would normally do. I think it's so funny, because it's such a Lex Luthor thing, too, to just kind of poke at everything that you possibly can without, you know, see how far we can push things before. And, I mean, honestly, he even wants Batman to be there, mm. but he can't help himself. It's mm. kind of, feels kind of like siblings. Mm. Like a younger yeah. one poking at the older one. Yeah, I can see that. Trying to elicit a response. Right. There's a cool part where he's, where he's thinking to himself, there's two things I never thought would ever happen in the world. The very first thing was me working with Superman to save the Earth. The second thing was working with Batman. Mm-hmm. That, that was hilarious. Anyway. But, um... You know, basically, they're, they're getting ready to, to make their attack, and Batman wants to be, like, very sure that Luther understands, like, this isn't going to earn you anything. Like, once this is all said and done, you're still going to be Lex Luthor to me. So... Don't think that this gives you any special treatment after this is done. 
it's kind of funny because as far as Batman and Luther have been together in Forever Evil, the whole the time Batman's been that way too. Yeah, it's almost like he's trying to convince himself more than he's trying to convince Lex Luthor that <laughs> that this isn't gonna change things at all. And, right. Well, I mean, Batman really Batman always wants control, mm. and this is a situation he just can't control, mm. and he doesn't. He's not happy with it. He's mm. not happy with it at all. Mm. And like even Catwoman is kind of like, once this is all said and done, you're gonna have to give me this. We're gonna we're gonna have to go on a dinner in a day or a dinner and get dinner in a movie. Mm. So like, I don't think that was a threat. No, she's she's more or less playing around with him. Yeah. But like, it's it's an odd situation for bats to be in because there's never a time that this that this has ever happened before. Mm. At least not that I can ever remember. Batman doesn't owe people favors. People owe Batman favors. Pretty much. That's pretty much what I get from it. But mm. um, from there we see this crazy, like, lightning, this yellow lightning, or red lightning across the sky. And, um, of course, we don't know what to make of it, but the Injustice League certainly does. Or the Crime Syndicate. Crime Syndicate. I'm sorry. Crime Syndicate, yeah, they're definitely not happy about it. Is that, is that the old thing, the Injustice League? Why is yeah. that stuck in my head? The Injustice so. League is kind of what Lex Luthor's team is. Yeah, okay, and like the... Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. So anyways, the Crime Syndicate recognize it as whatever they fled their planet from. And so they're talking about options to seal it. And evidently Duststorm can, but he says it's going to have to take like all sorts of human souls to do it. So he's going to have to drain the life out of people to, to fix it. And of course, he doesn't really care about doing that. It just takes time. And then we kind of hear, um, like, their owl man being called by Alfred, and he's a warning him that something's been done to Grayson. And that Grid has done something to, uh, to, to Grayson in his plan, so he needs to get there. Um, so we flash back to the rest of the team, and they're kind of making their way into the downed satellite. And we find out that, uh, Like, well, Bizarro's getting smarter every day, so he's starting to be able to communicate with other people. And we also find out that um, Sinestro is kind of starting to figure out, like, he's, he's kind of trying to figure out how the crime syndicate works. Because not everybody seems to be the opposite of who they who their counterpart is. Mm. But, like, Hal Jordan was completely opposite from Green Lantern. But Ultraman seems to be almost the same as Superman. At least in their personalities. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually a really cool part here where he's like talking to Lex about how he's wasted his life chasing after Superman. And of course, Lex is like, Well, I haven't wasted my life chasing Superman. He's like, Really? I yeah, kind of have. I think it's funny because as much as you have Lex Luthor like poking at Batman, this is like an example of like one of the other villains, uh, Sinestro, doing the exact same thing to Lex Luthor. Yeah, and Sinestro's very powerful. He's. Probably one of the more powerful people that's with him. Mm -hmm. It is kind of crazy, though, still, that Black Adam's with him, and he has that problem talking still because his teeth are all jacked up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Well, he got punched by Ultraman. He broke his jaw in that, yeah. like, issue three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from there, he's he's using the ring to scan the Earth for irregular vibrations of hearts, which is something that we learned from the old, old stuff with Flash. That basically, like... If you were to go from dimension to dimension, you just have to find the right vibrational pattern and be able to slide oh, into yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And so he's using that to track where the justice or the uh, crime syndicate is. 
um, the important thing to note is that they find that there's an extra heartbeat. Because they knew about Ultraman and Duststorm and Johnny Quick and Atomica, but they didn't know anything about their prisoner. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of now not sure if there's somebody who they haven't met yet. But um, from there, Batman starts hacking into his own system on the downed uh, watchtower. And we find out that he's got a manual override for the system. And Lex is like, why would you have a manual override on your own system? Oh, you probably planned to take out the Justice League if something went wrong yourself. And so like, you're starting to see like Lex might have a little bit more in common with Bruce than I couldn't. Thought. I couldn't tell if that was like him actually figuring that out or if then once again that was him like kind of poking at Batman some more just to be it's kind of hard to say I kind of thought it was like him figuring it out but you could take it either way I think yeah I kind of think it's, I kind of think it's both are true because yeah the, the whole it, it, yeah I, I think maybe I don't know it's hard to say if Lex got a little more respect for Bats because he was willing to do whatever you know be willing to take out the Justice League also or if it was if he was picking on him or it, it's hard to say what Luther's whole, like all that. That it's you can read it like three three different ways. I'd say mm. it, was, it was a cool line, but at the same time you're just. I mean, we all know that Bats. He he has plans in case things go bad. Now Lex Luthor knows too. Mm-hmm. I bet Lex Luthor already knew. You think? Yeah, it's possible. I bet he's got the same thing too. Probably Lex Corp set up to blow up. And yeah, he just blow it up. Yeah, probably. Just proves that him and Wayne are more the same than they than you think. Uh-huh. Rat bastards. <laughs> um, basically, what we learn is that he's setting the video loops so that they'll have 90 seconds worth of un, unseen footage before the cameras will catch up and Grid will know that they're there. And so the idea was that they would break in, find Grayson, and get him out. And the rest of them were kind of like, ah, I don't know about this, but they follow Batman's lead. And uh, they find Nightwing, but he's all hooked up to what they call a murder machine. <laughs> and we find out about that through Owlman. So the murder machine is something that uh, Grid took from Apocalypse, right? Yeah, he took from their tech. I wonder if that's something, like, like if we're seeing a Mr. Miracle type thing. Ooh. It's kind of... Because that seems like a very Mr. Miracle can get out of this type thing. Right. Now, Mr. Miracle has been introduced in the uh, Earth 2. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting if they bring him over from... Yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, uh, that's random thread Ross. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Owlman is... Uh, Owlman's pretty determined that he wants uh, Alfred, the outsider, to uh, to go check on... On Grayson. On Grayson. Yeah. And... Uh, Alfred's like, I can't, this is one job I can't do for you because I can't leave the prisoner alone. And so he actually goes in to check on the prisoner. When he first steps in the room, somebody off panel grabs him and we find out that it's Black Manta. And Black Manta just murders the heck out of the outsider. He just stabs him to death. There's, there's actually no dialogue in there at all yeah. from, from him getting pulled to the side and just being cut open. And even kind of Captain Cold is like, Damn, son. <laughs> that scene actually reminded me of uh, Brightest Day when Black Man, when you see him in the fish market and he first figures out that Aquaman's back oh, alive right. again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could, uh, Black Man is a cold mother. Yeah. He really is. Shut your mouth. <laughs> and like, talking about, man, talking about Black Man, huh? It's cool. He stabbed him like six times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he drops him to the floor, and he looks over at Captain Cold, who's like, Oh, yeah, like yeah. And he's like, they all die. I wish I could do the man of voice. They all die. Yeah. No, that's right. No, it's not. The first way is better. And the blood, blood's dripping off his helmet. Yeah. Yeah. See, okay, so here's the one thing that Super Friends got more right than anything ever is Black Man's voice. Because that's yeah, no matter do. what, whenever I read him, I picture that voice. Yeah, I do. I right. do too. There was a guy from San Diego. His mask set up way too high, mm-hmm. but he had the voice chip. Oh, that's awesome. And so when he talked, it sounded like Black Mana. Anyhow. So, from there, we go from, uh, oh, okay, and then from that moment, actually, we, we look over and they finally realize that the prisoner is in the room, and they're like, well, who's this guy? Like, is he one of them, or... Yeah. And so they kind of start investigating the prisoner. Well, we jump back to Bruce Wayne and Nightwing, or I'm sorry, Batman and Nightwing, and we find that, um... The murder machine that Dick's trapped and he's basically wired up to... And it's being, it's got a clock kicking down on it that's connected to, like, uh, it's connected to Grayson's heart. He has it set up as a trap for when they enter the room. The door slams shut and it starts counting down on the clock. Now, we presume that there's an explosive connected to this, but, um, we kind of, we wind up having just Batman, Bizarro, Lex Luthor and Catwoman in this room. And now they find out that, yeah, it's connected to the heart. And, and I think... Uh, I think from there we actually see that Sinestro, Bizarro... Or, I'm sorry, Sinestro, Black Adam, and Deathstroke are all out on their own. And they manage to find the rest of the Injustice League kind of smashed through the side of the building. Oh, the crime syndicate. Crime syndicate, I'm yeah. sorry. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I keep wanting to be crimes. Yeah, well, they're injustice-y, so that yeah, makes there you sense. Go. Um, when we first started off, like, uh, Ultraman goes to attack Sinestro, and he just, like, blasts him away with his ring, but then Black Adam decides, like, that he's going to take him again. And so he goes flying out of the building with him. And from there, Superwoman tries to wrap Sinestro up with her rope, and is basically like, you're going to surrender to my will, and he's like, yeah. I like to see that. <laughs> but from there, Owlman goes taking off on his own, leaving them all to fight. And like the only one who sees that is like Deathstorm, who calls after him, but he's just is on his own. He just takes off. Uh, from there, we see like Bizarro and Lex Luthor are trying to smash their way through the through the door in the room that they're trapped in. We find out from Batman that this cell was designed to hold Doomsday, so there's pretty much no way to get out of it. And so, of course, from there, Batman's trying to disarm the bomb. And we find out from Nightwing that the only way that it'll disconnect is if uh, his heart stops. So Batman starts trying to pull out wires and stuff, and evidently the wires will fix themselves every time he pulls them. From there, we jump over to find the, uh, the prisoner again, and they pull a bag mask off of him, and they're like, they don't have any idea who he is. But he seems like he's trying to tell them something, and so they decide to take the tape off his mouth. And from there, um, Johnny Quick shows up with Atomica. And, 
Black Manda tries to use his eye vision on her, and she just shrinks. And she evidently has no idea who he is. Because she's like, who the hell are you, bad helmet man? Makes sense. I mean, he's not like... Yeah. But evidently they don't have at least his counterpart in the other world. My guess is he probably got killed pretty early on. Probably. It's possible. Maybe before he becomes who he is, Mm -hmm. Sea King took him out. Or maybe Sea King never killed his father. Mm-hmm. So maybe he never came to be. As or a maybe man. he killed both his father and him. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my guess. But yeah. it's kind of hard to say in that world. But um, we kind of see the beginning of that fight, and then we go back to Batman uh, working with Nightwing, and Batman just is like determined that he's going to find a way to to shut this bomb off. But there's no way he's going to let Dick die, and he's like, "I'm sorry for pushing you away. I'm sorry for like." failing you as a you know as a, as a partner and everything and like Nightwing's like no you didn't do this you're fine we'll figure a way out of this and so Lex like attacks him from behind and decides that there's only one way that they're going to be able to solve this and uh, of course Catwoman like jumps to his aid and uh, she starts to use her whip and Bizarro catches it and like pulls her to the side and so uh Lex is like, we're going to end this now. And so he starts suffocating Nightwing. And then we go back to... Uh, and when he does that, he, he says, I'm sorry, Mr. Grayson. So it's not like a... Yeah, he's not doing it out of spite. Mm-hmm. But uh, we go back to the fight with uh, Black Manta and, uh, and Atomica. And she's trying to find a way into his suit so she can try to attack him from the inside of his body. And I guess suit is just completely sealed. So there's no way she can find a way in. And we flash over to um, Johnny Quick fighting Captain Cold. And Johnny Quick tells him about how, oh, yeah, I killed you once before in my reality. But you were a cop then. Mm-hmm. You weren't any better there. You know, just some idiot who built a free or a cold gun. Or, I'm sorry, a freeze gun. Yeah. He's like, well, I didn't build a freeze gun. I built a cold gun. Yeah. And Johnny Quick's like, whatever. And he's like, you don't understand. The difference is... What I do freezes things completely solid in like a matter of seconds. Molecular level. And a molecular level, yeah. What they do is just make ice. It's like, well, it really doesn't matter as long as your finger's not on the trigger. Oh, it's the only reason why that matters is because the flash can move his molecules super yeah. fast. So if it was just ice, it wouldn't make any difference. But if you can manage to slow him down, then. Yeah, this one's actually being a counter for the flash. Mm. He's like, well, it really doesn't matter as long as you can't get your finger on the trigger. And he's like, yeah. And so he says, uh, jingle bells, Batman smells, and the gun starts activating. And it tells him voice-activated trigger, and it just fires. That stuff makes sense about the Flash, because mm-hmm. he's rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how Flash always got away from Captain Cold. Oh, yeah. but well, I never <laughs> even thought about that. Mm-hmm. was that like he'd be like, I'm going to vibrate my molecules and slide through it. And... I'm like, Johnny Quick's... Not the Flash? What are you talking about? Oh. So, no, he can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he freezes a chunk of his leg. And he basically says, like, there's going to be something different between you and the Flash. He's going to be able to run again. And he kicks through the broken chunk of his leg. He also makes, like, that really cool comment right there. of The Flash and I have respect for each other. Yeah, mm. but you're not him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine if he did that to the Flash. That and the fact yeah. that the Flash has two legs. That'd be so yeah. much too yep. easy. Well, yeah, he's pretty, yeah, that's pretty hardcore. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at. He's like, I wouldn't do this to the Flash. But. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, 
I'm pretty sure that's what that comment means. Because in theory, this would work the same way against the Flash, but him, the way he says it, it's something he wouldn't do to the Flash just because it's jacked up. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, he basically frees that chunk of his leg, kicks through it, and pretty much just amputates his leg, which is freaking crazy. Yeah. And he's like, what is it? He says, he says, you think this hurts now? Wait till it thaws. And, right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's... And of course, Atomica, like, full sizes back up and goes for him. And then we go back to the other side where we're seeing the, um... The smothering of Grayson. Yeah, the smothering of Grayson. Mm-hmm. And Bizarro's fighting both Batman and the, uh, the Catwoman. And we can see a really cool scene where he's shooting his flame breath. Yeah. And Batman puts on the, uh, the kryptonite ring and goes to work trying to punch out Bizarro. And then uh, mm-hmm. we kind of flash back to, like, everything is kind of happening so super fast. So we flash over to the criminal who uh, is talking about how, you know, he's never going to run again. But that, you know, it's, it's worse that he's been uh, unleashed, I guess. And Atomica's like, are you guys insane? I can't believe you put the mouth, you took the mouth gag off. You gotta shut him up now. And then back to Grayson being smothered. And then I never, I didn't realize it the first time, but there's a sound effect in here that is evidently his, his heart crashing. So it's the flatline yeah. sound. As, uh, as Grayson's heart stops from being suffocated. And then we see our mysterious uh, prisoner say Shazam backwards. So, Majashin... Mazas. That's what I know. Uh, and we see, like, Ultraman and um, Black Adam kind of fighting in the air, and then the bolt comes down and separates the two of them. Like, Batman's reacting to Nightwing's heart stopping, and Ultraman's like, oh my god, that's the dark lightning. And then it hits the prisoner. And, uh... We flash to having uh, Batman kind of fighting against Lex Luthor, because he can't believe that he just did this. And Johnny Quick trying to crawl to Atomica. Everybody in the room was affected by the uh, the lightning strike. But uh, it looks like Atomica is the one who was hit worse. She seems to be knocked out. And now we see, like, Bruce's, or Batman, I'm sorry, was completely tackled Lex Luthor and he's just beating the hell out of him. And Lex is trying to explain something to Bruce, but he just doesn't want to hear it. He's just punching him in the head. From there, Johnny gets uh, grabbed from behind, and his neck gets snapped. And we kind of jump back to a battered um, Lex Luthor. He's telling Batman that he had it all under control. He had, he has a situation with Grayson. Mm-hmm. And then we see a hand reach down and like pull lightning out of Johnny Quick's body. Taking his power, I think. They said. Yeah, that's what look, that's what he wanted. Is calling it, and we see, uh, we see like uh, Black Manta and uh, Captain Cold realizing, like, oh man, we're in a bad situation now, and like Lex Luthor explaining, like, it's not too late. We can still save him, you idiot. And then mm. the line is repeated by this other, the prisoner saying, "You idiot" as well, and we reveal that. The prisoner was Alexander Luther, which is Lex Luthor, but he's Lex Luthor with Shazam's powers, and he seems to be able to absorb the powers of the crime syndicate. <laughs> so a couple things, mm-hmm. really quick. Yeah, so back when uh, we had the Bizarro part, 
Mm-hmm. I'm almost curious, and we're never ever going to figure this out, but when Batman was punching him, wasn't making him more powerful with the kryptonite? It's hard to say. Because we don't get to see him really... Mm-hmm. We don't really see his reaction, except for that he actually moved like he was hit, mm-hmm. rather than just having mm-hmm. Bruce, like, hand crumple against his face. Yeah. So... And then, uh... The Batman thing with Dick Grayson and, and tackling Luther and stuff. Like, I'm sure it was just a dramatic effect thing. But I got to thinking, they just did this in the Arkham... I, don't think, I think it was Arkham Origins. Where Joker attaches a bomb to one of the other bad guys and tells Batman that he has to kill him. Or the bomb will go off. Or the bomb will go off. Oh, really? And Batman chokes him out, stops his heartbeat, and then resuscitates him with his... Electric gloves. <laughs> I'm like, really? Right. Was, wasn't that Bane in Arkham Origin? It might have been, yeah. I don't even remember. I thought so maybe was. Lex put something in his mouth. Maybe. Have, like, something to stop his heart or something. Maybe. I was just thinking he was probably going to mm-hmm. beam him at the end. And... But he actually looked like he cared about Dick at that point. Well, I don't mm-hmm. think he wanted to... I, I think it's more a matter of... Well, Lex is, like, ruthless mm-hmm. in general. He has no Grayson. Like at all, yeah, he, right. doesn't, he doesn't really care about killing people. He's just, but, yeah. And he's genuinely, we could have saved him. We can still save him, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's just different seeing Lex actually, like actually care about something. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if he mentions it or if it's like in just a thought thing in Superman, but uh, I want to say one of the early Superman or action comics, they mention how if Superman wasn't there. Lex would have been a whole different person he, he would have been the hero and that's part of why he's well i think he always thinks he would be the hero mm. but i don't think lex on his own will ever be yeah a hero i think he just you know his, his only attachment in this is is to destroying superman so mm. i i just don't think he cares about yeah when lex. superman's gone as and i think he still sees batman as a potential ally mm. so he doesn't want to lose him for that regard mm. but yeah he, he seems like he's trying to do the right thing otherwise he would have just used the power suit to blow Shooter. jason's head off yeah i mean grayson's head off yeah jason grayson did i say jason i meant yeah. grayson they were both Raleigh. trying not to say dick so everybody doesn't laugh <laughs> <laughs> he said words raw score book go uh score at a five I thought it was really good. Holy crap. Yeah, I liked it a lot. They did a great job. And that ending was huge. I mean, like, a lot of us suspected that it was Lex under the hood. <coughs> but I don't think anybody could have yeah. possibly expected it to be Lex with freaking Shazam powers. I mean, this isn't like a swamp thing pulled out of your butt at the end of, yeah. you know, Black as Night. I think yeah. there's I think there's something to the Shazam powers too because I don't think he got the Shazam powers. I think he has some sort of device that lets him take the powers of the other. It's possible because that's he saw him sucking the Johnny Quicks, the <laughs> lightning off of him. Yeah, and... maybe his abilities are not permanent either. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He said the word backwards, and all of a sudden he had the suit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tells me Shazam, backwards Shazam, powers. It's just curious, because Alexander Luther, before, was a hero. Is he going to be a hero here, or is he going to be... Well, that's a good question, but that, that Alexander Luther was from another planet, too. He wasn't from the same planet as the Injustice, or the uh, Crime Syndicate. He was from the same universe no, as the Crime Syndicate. Was he? he? Wasn't? I think he I was. I think so. I think the gold suit wearing with the little jerry curl, 
Well, yeah, he, I think eventually he got crazy other stuff, but originally he was oh, from the yeah. Crime Syndicate's universe. Yeah, I think yeah, he was yeah. as well. I thought he was from a different earth. He does actually say something at the end that I didn't mention, which is that he plans to kill the Crime Syndicate, but I think he plans to kill everyone. everybody. But he says that he'll become the most powerful hero there mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And this world, like they tried to interject this earlier on, which is that these guys aren't just the mere images of their counterparts. They're from a world where strength is what's important. Mm. So even as a hero, Still Lex might be, be yeah, yeah, he might be even worse than some of the villains. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true, yeah. The one other thing I'm really curious about is, I want to say next issue is the last issue. Yep. There's a whole ton of stuff that's got to happen in that issue. Mm-hmm. Like, because we have Justice League of America just happened where they... The rest of the Justice League is supposed to come back, and Cyborg's going to be involved. And we even were told Ted Cord was going to show up in this last issue. So. Which would be crazy. But yeah, Cyborg is bringing the Metal Men. Um, Justice League. I don't know. I hope so. Justice League of America. Um, yeah, we just freed the the rest of the original Justice League. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff happening. I would be really surprised if Justice League Dark doesn't come out of nowhere and be a part of it too. So. Oh yeah, they've got a it's got to tie back in somehow. But. It wouldn't surprise me. Of course, now we have the whole Justice League of Cyborgs too. So. Like, yeah. With all the Metal Men, which is going to be freaking crazy. I don't know if uh, if you guys remember this, but in the Green Lantern, the last Jeff Johns Green Lantern, it said after the Justice League dies, Baz is going to teach the the last Green Lantern or whatever. That, uh, yeah, it shows the girl with the Green Lantern ring. Right. It's Power Ring's ring. They already, in Jeff Johns has told people. No way to keep a lid on it, Jeff. Yep. Freaking dummy. Thanks, Ross. Yep, ruin it for everybody. Hey, Baz is going to work a miracle. He'll teach a woman how to use a Power Ring. There's a thousand female lanterns. (laughs) (laughs) The only way that this will work out to make me happy is if she completely, constantly complains about... There's not enough women lanterns. And all the other <laughs> alien women lanterns are like, really? <laughs> there is six Earth lanterns. Yeah. And there's only one fish head lantern. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's, there's, only one, there's only one fish head. So, so stop using the V card, all right? <laughs> well, I know the power ring thing is, is going to be an ongoing mm. deal, so... Well, of course, we can't get rid of Baz. We can't get rid of her. I, you know, I'd still like Baz. But I, 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 I'm not a little tired of Jeff Johns' self-promotion prophecy. Yeah. A little bit. Mm, well, I, I dislike Johns, because I don't. I, I don't hate her before I see her. I just, I'm, I hated that from the moment that he said that. Like, oh, it's going to be a big thing, because she'll be the first female Earth Lantern. And it's like, Really? What I think is crazy about it is she's actually not going to be a real Green Lantern. That's true. Uh, yeah, that is pretty interesting, actually. Are you saying because she's a woman, she can't be a real Green Lantern? <laughs> yes, that's Ex- it. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's Power Ring's ring? Yeah. Didn't yeah. that kill Power Ring? Uh-huh. It yeah. wanted to. Hmm. That's for sure. Maybe it worked backwards. It poisoned him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ring was in control of him. It made him look like Elephant Man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. At least half of it. Hmm. Well, that's, that's what happened to Abin Sur, for sure. He looked crazy by the time he was done. But Abin Sur wasn't using that ring. He was already wounded and injured. 
Abensur. Well, but he was still Power Rings. Abensur was. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Okay, Power Rings. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was. Is that little flashback. Yeah, I forgot about that until he said. It's okay. That uh, Captain Cold thing they were talking about in there was a flashback too in one of the previous books. Huh. We saw uh, Johnny Quick kill Captain Cold from their universe. Oh right, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That was in that Justice League book. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was in Justice League. Uh-huh. Rob Scorebook, go. Um, I give it four point five. I really, really enjoyed it. I think this one really knocked it out. So. Cool. Is your mic? Uh, Black Mana, badass. Yeah. Captain Cold, badass. Yeah. Uh, we have a 4.5. Right. Just for on, on the ruthlessness alone. Right. It's pretty it's awesome. Been, it's been good the whole way through. It's good stuff. It'll be, it'll be kind of cool to read it all together. Right. Curtis? What was I going to say? I don't know. Black Mana, badass. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll probably give it a 4. I missed the previous issue. Right. So no I'll give it a four. No excuse for that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll give it a five and a half also, or four and a half. Wow! Holes. Sorry, I was getting crazy there for a second. Four and a half. Um, it was good. Like, really good. Uh, I don't like the idea of, of Nightwing dying, but at the same time, yeah, there's there's lots of ways out of it. So, But book-wise, some pretty intense stuff. I mean, that whole... We, I mean, we easily guess it was Lex Luthor in the hood. From like the very first time we saw him, I had no idea. Seriously, man, and I don't think so we've talked about it like a lot. I had convinced myself it was someone else just because I thought that was too obvious for it to be. But the twist is the what? twist is what, and mm. yeah, it's, like you know, a knife's a knife, and then it you stabs you and twists, and it hurts real bad. Why do they have to pick on the Robins though? <sighs> yeah, I mean, why not? I, kill off Jimmy Olsen. Or please God kill <laughs> Yes. Hell even Lois. Get rid of her dumb ass. I, I don't yeah, care. Well, Just somebody else. I don't know about Lois. See, I was thinking about this uh this Nightwing thing. Right. And no matter what, he can't go back to being Nightwing. There's absolutely no way of him being Nightwing ever again. Because his identity's revealed to everyone. Tony Stark is. Tony Stark. Right? Yeah, but if Nightwing's identity is revealed and he keeps going on as Nightwing, it's only a matter of time before they figure out who Batman is. It doesn't yeah. matter. That, that card's already that. played. Yeah. Like at this point, Lex Luthor knowing Dick Grayson is anything, as soon as he gets a free minute to be like, hmm, I wonder who Dick Grayson is. Let's, uh, let's Oh, let's hit the internet. <laughs> let's, let's get on the internet here. Let's go to his wiki page. I'll take a look at the... Uh, <laughs> Dick Grayson, oh, look at that, he was in the circus, oh, then Bruce Wayne adopted him. Holy And then an issue issue six, I killed him. (laughs) (laughs) You know. know. He's actually working at like DC. (laughs) Nice. Editing his own wiki page. (laughs) Although, Bruce has set himself up with the ultimate cover. By making himself the CEO and contributor to Batman, since he has so many fingers pointed at him, he kind of makes him seem like he's too obvious to actually be Batman. Mm. That's... <laughs> yeah, but it's the same, just like Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. This is my right-hand man, Iron Man. He's my bodyguard. Yeah. And then eventually... Well, her... if Stark wasn't always dr- wasn't drunk at the time, he probably still could play the bodyguard part. Right, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like Pete coming out now and being like, yeah, I make stuff for Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? So, like, why would he be Spider-Man? He just makes stuff for Spider-Man. Oh, dang it. And if if, uh, he can say that Nightwing was connected to the Batman Inc. stuff, there you go. But, like, nobody seems to know in this world that Nightwing was 
Joker, except for or, um, yes. Wow, that's like way to wow. Hold on, yeah. what are you talking about? The... That secret ID. Okay, Dick Grayson actually is the Joker. No. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. Not, not a lot of man, there we go. <laughs> not a lot of people know that he was originally Robin. We don't have the whole myth of there being an army of Robins or, you know, a lot of the history of like, oh, it seems like he's replacing Robins all the time because like a lot of that kind of gets mixed up or lost in New Fifty Two. Yeah, I guess I suppose that's true because the only ones that know that are other heroes. Or, yeah, either yeah. other associates or villains. Like the Joker knows that Nightwing was Robin, but it doesn't seem like a lot of the other ones do. Joker, so Joker, Joker already knows everything anyway and doesn't care. Yes. Yeah. My thoughts are it's probably Joker and Riddler. I'm, I think the Riddler probably figured it out. It's possible. Mm. It's possible, but um, to the world at large, Nightwing has been an ally to Batman, but not necessarily that connected. It's a good point. Yeah. So. Yeah. It'd be like trying to chase down Selina Kyle or Catwoman's identity to try to find Batman. Because she's an ally, but she's not really that connected. That's a good point. All right, sure. all right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see there's some gray water there still. Yeah. Even if he stayed being Nightwing, though, there'd still be the same gray water. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not for himself. I mean, he couldn't have any normal relationship with anybody in the world anymore because of that whole nonsense. But Yeah, I think... I think if Dick Grayson makes it out of this, which I really hope he does, I think he's going to have to bury his old identity. He'll become the renegade. It's possible. Cool. We talked about that a couple times. But, I mean, Bruce has already stated many times that he could care less if somebody found out that he was Bruce Wayne, that Bruce Wayne would just disappear and Batman would live on. But Nightwing has never been comfortable with that idea, so it would be kind of a big thing for him. But, you know, if we kept his old history, there was a time where Dick went off and tried to be his own thing and left all Batman's money behind and like, tried to be a beat cop and everything. Well, that was, yeah. He was still connected to Bruce, but, yeah, it was the Bloodhaven, New Jersey nonsense. Yeah. It was good stuff, though, story-wise. It was really good. Anyway, okay, so let's move on to the Marvel's Batman. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. You had me. I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, you know. You know. Well, unfortunately, if if you're trying to describe things, yeah, it's as close as you can get. It's that, like, you can't really describe him without being like, Moon Knight's kind of like Marvel's Batman, except for he's really crazy. F and A. Yes. Right. <laughs> Which I, I'm not comfortable with that anyways, because I think people just stretch as hard as they possibly can to be like, Marvel and DC are just the same. And it drives me nuts. They're not the same. The characters aren't the same. It's just I've icky. never heard anybody say that. I've heard it a lot, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. The internet. Damn internet. <laughs> like, it, it drives right. me nuts, because people will derive <laughs> as far as they can to think of that, too. That's people that 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 are not into comics, but think they know about comics will make a lot of comments like that. Yeah, right. and just think they know things. And yeah, like the Hulk is kind of like Marvel's, or it's kind of like DC Superman. Not, like, anything oh, not at all. really, no. But like a lot of people like live in this world where like Marvel and DC exist in the same universe, which is not really the truth either. But no, yeah, you know, regardless. Like, I, I really hope that Batman's in the next Avengers movie. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you kidding me? 
Seriously? That was once. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I will never forget it. That's the same kind of people that make stupid comments like, they need to have a female Batman now. They do. There's, they do. There's two like of them. Mountain, they don't. There's two of them. Batman and Batgirl. Batman, Batman needs to be, you know, you know what I mean. You want a gender swap? Is that what you're saying? That's what they want. I will give you there's a girl I know that dresses up like that, and she's fantastic. Is she part of the government? No. Not as far as I know. Because I know Mike hates the government. Yeah, well, that's understandable. Yeah. So I'm guessing That's the world's largest somehow. crime syndicate. You stop it. <laughs> it is. Tell me I'm wrong. The Injustice League. If, if, uh, there you go. More capes that can fly than yes. Capes can't fly. Poppy's got no by <laughs> They fall to the ground gracefully. Gotcha. But it, Moon, in, in truth, Moon when I when I've tried to describe Moon Knight to people who've never seen him before, it, it's it's hard to describe him without being very similar to Batman. So I equated him to Taskmaster earlier. Thanks. Now they're gonna be watching me, which makes sense <laughs> too. But of course, it's basically like you're you're, you're equating like a very obscure character to another obscure character. He knew. I know who he is. Are you trying to explain hey, Moon Knight to Mike? I was explaining him to him. <laughs> Moon Knight is kind of like Taskmaster, and Taskmaster is kind of like the tra- Time Trapper. The it's Time Trapper like is kind of like yeah. So <laughs> he's a little bit like Batman. So how do you know? There you go. Oh, dang Giant it! Circle. Dang it! Anyways, um, somewhere. <laughs> yes, he inspires fear. He's a Red Lantern. Wait. Wait. No, wait. Yellow. Yellow. There you go. Rage is red, right? Your eyes. Mm. So anyways. Red lightsaber. That's, yeah, that's the truth. As we get back to, to the Moon Knight, we kind of actually open it up with this um, this blogger who's talking about what she knows about Moon Knight so far because he's reappeared in New York. And they do a really good job of summing up basically the last couple of... Story volumes, arts. I guess. Volumes, yeah. yeah. Of Moon Knight. I was trying to say seasons, but they're not shows, so they can't be seasons. Same idea. It's it's become pretty pretty common knowledge that evidently Moon Knight has multiple personalities. Uh, up to the point of evidently somebody having a report of Moon Knight yelling at Spider Man, Wolverine, and Captain America, all while none of them were there. In the middle of the street. In the middle of the street. Which is a a thing that he had in his last story arc where he replaced his his secondary personalities with a war council of heroes um but evidently he's been back in new york for a minute and so we kind of bring in we, we begin the scene kind of going into a roped off alleyway with a caution tape and we have the police um investigating what they think is another slasher case and um they're talking about the Moon Knight, and one of the big things they bring out is, I think there's two really big things that come out of the, the first dialogue for this story. One is that his origin is pretty well known by whoever this is. Right. Two is that Kashuk has four forms, and so they think that his personalities might be connected to that. And three, that Moon Knight always wears white. Because he wants people to see him coming. Which is awesome. Because he's crazy. Right. 
That way they're afraid, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, back in his old days, even, when he did that, it was because he, he was like, I want them to know that vengeance is coming for them. Right. And vengeance is coming with a pair of steel nunchucks. I don't think that's part of the quote, but he, he carried them. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's kind of like Wyatt Earp if he was a ninja. Mm, kind of. Kind of. Hmm. Except, for, except for he has a mask. Well. He talked about vengeance a lot. That's true. So he's like Batman is what you're trying to tell me. Yes. <laughs> you guys so we see this white limousine <laughs> pulling up in the street, and the license plate says Spectre, and it has a little moon on the uh, the front grill. And we see a guy in a white suit adjusting his tie. And like they actually have this really cinematic like movie opening almost. And it pulls back to see Mark Spectre inside the, uh, the limousine. And he's uh, using a voice-activated uh, computer software to, like, help him uh, sift through police calls. Yeah. And he's tracking the uh, the movements of the slasher killer. He's evidently already investigating one of the crime scenes and gets picked up on this new one. And then he also, yeah, he has a, a robotic driver that's driving for him. Which is interesting, because I think... I think they, in the last two, two volumes back. ago, uh, Frenchie died. died. Yeah. And so he doesn't have his connection to the Earth. Um, and it, unfortunately, like, at the end of the last trade, like, he made this new connection with a, an ex-Shield operative. But after everything that went down in California, he was like, you're on your own. I'm out, man. Yeah. I, can't, I can't take it. As we see Mark get out of the vehicle... He's in a full-on white suit with white buttons and crazy moon cufflinks, which I was originally really thrown off by this look. And I'll tell you what, by the time the issue's done, I'm it's, fine with it's, it. It's pretty pimping, man. It really is. Well, like, he's, he's totally set for business. And uh, we see the police officer that was investigating the slasher victim look down the alleyway and see him, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's like, well, now... That's Mr. Knight. And one of the policemen is like, wait a minute, no, that's Moon Knight. And the officer, or the te- detective is like, no, no, that can't be Moon Knight. Because if that was Moon Knight, that would be a dangerous vigilante, and we couldn't allow him into our crime scene. Because we would have to detain him or arrest him. But if he's Mr. Knight, he can just be a consultant to help us on this case. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we clear on this, son? And by the time he gets out there, he's like, hello, Mr. Knight. And so, like, he's evidently had dealings with him before. And the police know that they can't work with vigilantes, but if Moon Knight's an advisor, it seems Apparently to be all right. Now there's a gray area there. Yeah. It's like you told me earlier today, and I, I didn't even correlate this until you said it. But it's like he's, if you've ever seen the show The Mentalist, which I've been all about for probably the last, I don't know, four months. And if you haven't seen it, actually, The Mentalist is fantastic. It's pretty good, yeah. That's the whole role he plays. It's exactly the same. Yeah, he he feels same like mask. he feels like this kind of advisor character that can kind of see things that the police maybe don't notice. Um, and so the detective invites him to uh, to come onto their crime scene and investigate. And um, Midnight basically asks him like, "What do you think we have going on here?" And the detective's talking about, "Okay, well this is a slash slasher victim. This is somebody." Probably picked this guy at random. Looks like he's got some surgical skill. Cut out organs. Who knows what he did? What he took him for, though. And Moon Knight recognizes that. Okay, well, this guy seems like he's too fit 
to be just a random slasher victim. He's these marks are definitely not made by somebody who has surgical skills, but somebody who knows how to murder a person. And then he f the further theorizes that the guy was waiting for him and like probably hiding in this like big pile of trash that's just up in the alleyway. <coughs> and so he kind of like makes this deduction that this guy isn't too far away. And so he wants maps to take a look at. And of course the police guys are like, this doesn't make any sense because like, you know, a slasher never stays in his own area, and it doesn't seem like there's a, any M.O. for what he's doing. And then Moon Knight kind of theorizes that the guy has to be, he has to be close. He's probably underground. And one of the policemen's like, okay, well, we'll take it from here. And he's like, I don't think you understand. Like, I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll go into the city's underground. That's about as deep as any building is high. The only thing I ask is that you don't get in the way of me doing this. And the cops are kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if we should let you do this. <laughs> but he kind of takes off on his own, and he evidently studied the maps, and he found a tunnel in, or a sewer entrance that he thought would be deep enough. And he has the uh, limousine kind of pull over it, and he has a really cool, like, little escape hatch underneath the limousine. Right. So when he pulls that off, he, he actually sees a hubcap that has bloody handprints on it already. But before that, just right before that, mm. did you notice that the uh, the officer uh, pointed out to him uh, that since he is wearing a white suit, the guy's going to see him coming. Yeah. And he did mention that's the part I liked. Yeah. So. Right. Well, he's actually got another great scene here where they, they just did a great job of shadowing him where he kind of looks down and like you get this crazy shadow over his mouth where he's explaining to him that he's going to go down to take care of the scary killer on his own. But yeah. Um, he, he'd already theorized that the guy had some kind of problem with his leg and so that he couldn't get around very well on his own and that's why he couldn't have gotten too far uh, when he finds the bloody mine hole cover and he looks down and he sees that there's uh, like been a rope attached to the top that's led all the way down and he's talking about how you know this would be easier on their legs but harder on their upper body because they'd have to pull themselves up and as he kind of goes through this manhole cover, we see, you know, he goes past the subway, he goes past the whole city of transients that are roasting a cat. <laughs> and he goes through another section of city works before he gets down to this area that's all bathed in red light. And you can see that there's evidently an old shield compound. And it's old enough that they have a different logo yeah. for the shield. Like, it almost looks like a... Um, Gosh, what is it? Movie that I got the, you to watch. Well, sort of, um, but I was thinking more like Metropolis. Oh yeah, this kind of Metropolis. Like like Metropolis yeah. is loco. Um, from there, he kind of follows a blood trail to an opening where there's a little welcome mat. And of course, the guy's like, "You know, I heard you coming, right?" And of course, you know, then it's funny to us because like you know, here he is walking around. He's wearing a completely white suit, making no attempt to hide himself. So, like, it's kind of just funny that the guy seems to think that he would be hiding. But there is something in this panel that I didn't notice before, and I'm going to come back to it later, which is that as the guy says that, we actually see that he's holding one of his uh, moon blades in his hand. And it basically like a shuriken shaped in the shape yeah. of a blade. It's like a bad ring, but it's moon. <laughs> and he, uh, that's a 
That's a good point. Yeah, He's yeah. kind of like Batman, huh? <laughs> so he comes walking into the uh, to the guy's room there, and they actually kind of have this whole talk. And it, the whole way that Moon Knight was talking was strange because he almost talks to him like, "I don't plan on taking you in. I just want to know why you're doing what you're doing." Right. And he makes this kind of sweeping hand gesture, which once again I missed completely the first time that I read it, as he's explaining that you know I just want to know what your story is about. And uh, we can kind of see this guy's all shouted out, but he looked kind of grotesque. And the next panel we see, he steps into the light, and he's got like a missing leg and like a built-on uh, one of those little spring legs that just doesn't quite fit with his body. And he's, one of his hands is missing, and so he's got this big old like machete knife, and he's got all these wires coming out of him, and like battery packs stapled to his side. And he's holding like a revolver in one of his hands. It's crazy. Like, he looks pretty bad. It looks like a Frankencastle kind of. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And so what we find out from him is basically he was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that was caught in an explosion. And he was too terribly tore up. And so they decided that they weren't going to fix him. And they just released him from S.H.I.E.L.D. active duty. And so he managed to come down to this old S.H.I.E.L.D. base and is fixing himself. And in his mind, like, he's going to eventually go back and become part of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Because how could they possibly not accept him when they see what he's been able to accomplish on his own? But evidently he's been killing these fit people to steal their organs to replace his. Yeah. And ultimately, I assume he's going to rebuild his own body Frankenstein style. That's pretty much what he's got going on. And, uh, like, Moon Knight's kind of trying to be like, you know... He's basically trying to talk him down, and the guy's like, oh, you thought you would come down here and you'd take me out of this this hole, and you'd bring me out for the cops. And he's like, well, you're not going to do that. And like Moon Knight, I think, he manages to get him to like put away the gun for a minute. And the guy's like, well, I don't, even need, I don't even need that gun. I'm sure you got plenty of stuff I could use for you. And he like lunges at him with the knife. And uh, as he starts coming towards him, Moonlight's like, well, I already beat you as soon as I enter the room. And, like, he kind of explains this whole thing. And the guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. How do you mean you beat me? And he's like, well, look down. And he looks on the floor, he sees all of this, like, electrical coolant and blood just drilled out all over the floor. And he looks over and he sees the moon shuriken has, like, flown back and stuck into some of his mechanical stuff on his side. And so he's already, like, messed up his whole, like, whatever was keeping him alive, it seems like, before he even entered the room, with kung fu treachery. <laughs> <laughs> I threw that thing when I got in the room, which he talks about, which is awesome. Like, I totally missed it, but that's exactly what he was doing. He held it when he came in. The little hand gesture was him throwing it off the side of the wall. It's total kung fu treachery. Perfect. Yeah, but that was after he told, kind of, he... Threw him off a little by yeah that guy says you're gonna die down here that he's died before it was boring so he stood up yeah um the last little attempt for this guy is he pulls the revolver the revolver to fire at him and moon knight reaches back and grabs one of his other like moon shurikens and actually blocks the bull the shot with it and that winds up being the end of this guy's life like he he winds up dying in the process of it and then we go back to Mark before he came to New York. And he's evidently uh, took in a... Uh, oh, gosh, 
sabbatical? Well, yeah, a little sabbatical before he went back to New York, but he's he's got a um, shrink. a shrink on on retainer, yes. And evidently he prepaid her, and at this point he's like, oh, well, you know, like I think I'm fine. I don't know why I bothered hiring you, you know. And she's like, well, you know, you knew this was going to happen, and this is why you you paid me ahead of time. So here's my findings, and she basically tells him like she doesn't think he's crazy. <laughs> That what she really thinks is that he has brain damage from when he thought he was dead. And that the personalities that he's put in are all um, based on, uh, like, these missing parts of his brain. And that he's just filling in the blanks in his memory with these other personalities. But she makes a big deal about how, oh, well, it seems real interesting that this Kasha guy has four forms... And you've come to find four personalities. Um, and we kind of see his, like, his reaction to this is, like, his mind kind of, like, fighting against him. And they do this great livery page of, like, or, like, a splash page of Mark kind of falling. And all of these skulls are kind of falling out from him. And you can see in the skulls Wolverine's head and Spider-Man's head and Captain America's head and his other personalities as, uh... Like the taxi cab driver and um, and the homeless guy, right? That were part of his old personality set. Yeah. Along with the the Moon Knight, and then she's talking about the one that she finds the most interesting is the phase of Kashik where he's the Avenger, and as the Avenger, he would eat the hearts of his victims. And like, kind of at the last like moment of him like. Like, his world kind of falling apart around him. She's like, oh, smile. And then that's the end. And we go back to his manor in New York, which is like a freaking castle. Right. Which, if you've been watching Moon Knight for a while, that we actually saw this quite a bit in Volume 2. Yeah. Um, but he'd come in, and he's not been there since Volume 2, where he found that he was going to be a dad, and then his wife was killed. Right. And so the the city, like the, the whole t- uh, house is like covered in cobwebs. He's got furniture all covered in sheets and stuff. Yeah. And he flops down in this chair, and he's just taking his mask off. And he looks into the room, and he sees kind of the shadowy ghosts of his other two personalities, the taxi cab driver and the uh, the homeless guy. And then he looks over to the other seat, where there's a guy in the same white suit as him with the Moon Knight cufflinks and everything with a giant bird head which is how they always have depicted Kashuk, Kashuk now like a giant skull bird head yeah he says yeah you are my son and he just kind of like looks down and like defeat and that's kind of where we end it so like whatever he's discovered about himself he's still crazy he may not have yeah he may not have discovered anything and unfortunately like when he had the heroes as his personality they seem to help him. Right. But I don't know if the other two did. Because they seemed to be like they were their own person as much as anything. But he finally got out of from underneath the thumb of Kashik. But he's back. Yeah. The crazy... The, when, it, when he was running around as the with the other Avengers... Yeah, you're right. Like They weren't all evil and trying to lead him or mislead him. It was almost like the, that was all set up to trick us. But they acted... Pretty well like they should act. I mean, granted, they said stuff that didn't make sense, but it wasn't, like, completely out of the park. 
And now here we are, we've got the, the homeless guy and the freaking cab driver again, and Kashik, who, for all intents and purposes, I think is going to make him start eating hearts. Possibly. Which is crazy. Yeah. Well, they're also big on making sure we remember that Bushwhacker, the last time he fought him, he wound up cutting his face off. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and during volume, I think it's during volume, it's either volume two or volume three. It's a guy partially robot parts, and yeah, he wound up cutting his face off. You know how we talk about your dog wearing people masks, Ross? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that. It's crazy. Because Moon Knight's crazy. That's a hell of a book, though. Yeah. Holy cow. It was, it was good. It was good. Um, for, as, for as limited action as was in there, and like even the first time I read it, I didn't see him do the Kung Fu treachery at all. <laughs> like, I love that it was there. Right. But now that I see it, I'm even more, like, <laughs> happy with book. It's freaking awesome. Um, Score-wise, I, I, I give it a three. Like, I, I liked it. Um, I, I like Moon Knight having a series. It's hard for him to hold one, so I guess we'll see how long this guy lasts. But as far as setup is concerned, it it was pretty good. And, like, we're dealing with his craziness again. And, like, that whole thing where he diagnoses the crime scene, I don't know, I like that. Like, like I said, I like, I like that. And the Kung Fu Treachery is pretty awesome. Rob? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it a... Probably three and a half. Like, I, I would like a little finer earnest, but ultimately, like, it really turned out well. I'm really, really happy with Moon Knight, so... Mr. Mike? I haven't had a lot of exposure to Warren Ellis that I can recall, but uh, I like the fact that he uh, he is a bit uh, more of a detective type character than I ever heard him to be. I mean, I, you know, I'm, but uh, it, uh, it was pretty good. I'd give it a three and a half. Well, that's, a, that's the interesting thing for Moon Knight. The whole reason that he developed the first three secondary personalities was because he wanted to infiltrate all versions of society. So he had Mark Spector that was a wealthy man about town, <laughs> and then you had the cab driver who's like middle class, and then you had the homeless guy, and so you actually have all three layers of society. But he really didn't use much detective skills before, at least not in the books that I read. So this is a cool new wrinkle for him. Yeah, it's like some CSI shit going on. Right? Yeah, it does. That's what I'm talking about. Mr. Curtis? I'm not a... never been a fan of Moon Knight, really. I go to three for the Kung Fu treachery and the <laughs> Franken-Castle-looking guy. <laughs> That's the best we could ask for. But hopefully you had fun reading the book. It was, it was okay. It was pretty good. It was okay. Sam? Mr. Ross? Had to give it a three for the Kung Fu Treachery, too. Yeah. I was going to give it a 2.5 before he delivered Kung Fu Treachery. <laughs> right? Well, it, it's in there. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And it's... It really is. And though, I just want to understand why you're doing it. That way you can slowly die in front of me. Twisted, man. Well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure where he was going. Because, like, he really... Like, Moon Knight... Really, a lot of the time is like punishment, punishment, punishment. Like he's really close to the to the Punisher in that regard. Vengeance, yes. So like, I was really surprised when he when he was talking with him, and I was like, "Man, is he gonna like try to talk him out? Like, how the heck is this gonna work?" So, but I yeah, like I said, I totally missed his concrete treachery before, but it's totally there and it's freaking awesome. <laughs> Anyway, um, good books, good, good stuff. I'm looking forward to the next issue for sure. 
Um, let's do real quick round robin uh, books to watch for Curtis Go. Pathfinder. Coming back, yeah. Uh, same stuff I say every week, I guess. I can't recall any Shadow. right now. You, you caught me out. No, Shadow's ending. Right. Then they got Shadow's Howard Chaykin doing a stupid six part. And no. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Besides yeah. Howard Chaykin. I was, I was going to say, are you, are you down with the Chaykin six part? No. no. Well, you like Red Lanterns, don't you? Well, that's a given. Okay, I didn't say so. <laughs> Looking forward to the Red Lanterns. Looking forward to the Red Lanterns. Well, that's yeah. actually probably the best Lantern book, I think. The Red One? Yeah. Well, as soon as Guy got on there, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ross, you got anything? Yeah, Batman and Aquaman next week. And then the continuation of the Batman and Wonder Woman, and then Batman and Frankenstein. Batman and Frankenstein looks way cool. Even yep. with Frankenstein. Yep, <laughs> Batman. All right. All Titus right. the dog. <laughs> on the cover. Uh, Mr. Mike? Well, I kind of enjoyed the first couple issues of Mercenary Sea. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing where that's going to go. Right. And, of course, always, always Black Science. Deadly right. Class. I'm kind of looking forward to that, uh, checking out, maybe checking out that new Millar book, MPH. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Oh, and Witches. Witches, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Low. Yes, the Remender. Remender, he, he can't miss with him and his yeah, independent stuff. Yeah, awesome, just in general. He's, he's really good. And then, of course, Action Comics, the Greg Pak Cooter stuff. It's been right. really good. Newer. Uh, Rob? Well, they're going to do Aquaman and the others, which I'm actually really looking forward to. I'm interested to see when that's going to fall. Um, X-Men Legacy is changing its name to Nightcrawler, which is going to be freaking awesome, so I'm looking forward to that. Iron Fist, of course. Um, actually, DC's No Future? Future's End? Future's End, yeah. yes. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this because they're going to be integrating Batman Beyond into the regular universe, and we're going to get to see Grifter back. Right. And so that might be cool. I'm and happy to see what's going to do that. That's quite possible. Yeah. yeah Frankenstein's part of it. And so is yeah. like Firestorm. So it could be a great, great storyline for it. It's going to come out really fast, but I think it's going to be fantastic. It's a, it's a weekly so. thing, right? Yeah. It is, which is scary. Like but Batman Eternal, which I'm looking yes. forward to that too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Also Batman Eternal. Oh, and um, they're going to do a probably weekly or monthly switching book of Origins, which is going to start with Superman. Or for DC. It's going to start with Superman. I'm actually really interested to see what they're going to do with it. This could be crazy because we could be seeing stuff we haven't seen yet as far as New 52. Well, they may be nailing down some of this past that we're kind of wondering about. So it'll be neat to see what they do. We'll learn more when the book comes out, I suppose, huh? Maybe. Maybe. Unless we don't read it and we just hit our head against it to try to absorb the information. That's why I never... Dang it. It's not working. Quit hitting your head, Ross. It's good for fast use, but it really doesn't retain very long. (laughs) Dumb. Good stuff. Uh, I don't think I have anything off the top of my head that I can think of that was... Like, I'm really looking forward to it. It's new. I mean... I mean, Iron Fist should be cool. Uh, I like New Warriors so far. It's been good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the Shang-Chi mini coming up. Yeah, Shang-Chi's supposed to have a miniseries pretty soon. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Moon Knight I was real happy with, so I'm pretty 
pretty happy with that one. Starlight's one I'm real happy with, too. Yeah, there's like, so many avenues they can go on Starlight. Yeah. Like, so as far many. as books, like, pretty much the ones we went up through this week, it, four of them were wall books I'd be like, you should really read this book, because they're freaking great. And it's not that the other two aren't, because we're at the end of the other one. That's that would have been reason. six books. Yeah, well, no. Four. Four six. plus two is... One. <laughs> the fifth one, Forever Evil, is about the end. Not that you shouldn't read it, right? but it's about the end. So that's the only reason why you shouldn't start new check. Just read it, damn it. Superior <laughs> Spider-Man's going to end here pretty Superior soon. Superior Spider-Man's too. ending, that's true. Have they solicited the new Amazing yet? Yes, they have. Oh, yeah. they have? See, si, senor. Okay. Is, but, is Dan Slott still writing it? Yes. Yes. Uh, Dan Slott, um, I want to say the first issue is still Alberto Ramos, I think. I don't totally remember the artist. It's still Slott, though. I think, yeah. I think it's I think Ramos. It is. So, same team moving forward. It's good stuff. Should be, should be awesome. There's going to be a couple of variant covers to it. Um, well, there's a lot of variant covers, but then there's a couple other ones that are James Scott Campbell's covers, um, store covers, whatever. Covers, there'd be books with pictures. Yar! I think that's all. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, so that'll be it for tonight? Yeah, I think so. The key? The key. The key? The key? Kung Fu Treasury. I threw that before I even got in the room. <laughs> <laughs> the key.